1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a
2: location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
2: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time out for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: from the far side. Save made
2: there by the goalie. Now, Stern. far wing, tucked in, score. Mike Hoffman,
0: former blue, taken away by Kapanen, not cleared out long, shot, score. Sharks 17 seconds into the second period. Moving into the middle, shoot, score. Smith has made it 3-0. Get it in the middle, 4-0, San
2: Jose. Luke Cunningham. Off a face-off win, just put it in. Park cleared by the Sharks. Ahead, Hoffman in, score. What a shot. Orange sounds, and the Blues hang their heads as they skate to the locker room. Trouts tonight in San Jose,
0: 5-1. Okay, that's what it sounded like last night, right here on 101 ESPN. If you stayed up, I'm sorry.
3: Oh, I thought
1: I dreamt that. I
0: was going to say, I, that happened? It didn't go well. The Blues played against the worst team in the NHL, and they got absolutely blitzed. I'm glad I went to bed early. <laughs> didn't, by the way. Alex is struggling today, so if he has any moments on the air where it's a gaffe or something oh, it's like gonna that, happen. just remember, he was up late last night. He had to recap that crap <laughs> that you guys could turn <laughs> off after the first period, or you know, you just listened to it after the first period on 101 ESPN to make sure, okay, just in case anything historic happens here, I'll I'll be right back. But I want to hear it on my radio. Now you didn't miss anything. Uh, the Blues looked terrible last night. The first period they looked like they forgot to play for the first hour or so, or first ten minutes or so of that uh, period. And then the second period they forgot to show up for the first five minutes, and that was enough. That was enough for them to pull Joe Holfer have to go with um, Jordan Bennington for the rest of that one. Alex, I'm sure there are many in our audience. 399 9646 is the Air Comfort Service X-Line to get involved in the show. I'm sure many of you are thinking, oh, BK's probably gonna come on here and tell me the sky is falling. Because he's the overreaction type of a guy. You are? Not as your role. Not today. I don't care about that game, man. <laughs> they overlooked the sharks. They looked like crap. I have almost zero takeaways from it. I wish I could come on here and tell you guys, hey, here's X, Y, and Z as to why it matters and what the big picture. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think they just overlooked the Sharks. They thought they could go out there, put their stuff on the ice and be like, okay, we're going to win this game because we're here and you're the Sharks. And they couldn't. Sharks came out. They played Inspired and they played a good hockey game for the first time, like basically all year long. And the Blues looks like crap. That's my entire takeaway from last night's game. If it carries over into the weekend, uh-oh, we got a problem. And then we can talk about the sky potentially falling. But right now, I'm not
3: there, man. Where are you at with last night's loss? I'm, I'm just like you're thinking. And, I mean, I, I told Tanner I had a five-minute post-game last night. Some of it was because it was 1245 in the morning. But a lot of it was because that game didn't matter. Like, that was the prototypical trap game that I'm sure everybody thought was going to happen. Tanner was rooting for it to happen so he could put a funny tweet out after the game. But that was a game where you walked in, and maybe you didn't take San Jose for granted, but I think you took the fact that San Jose gives up up a ton of offense and gives up a ton of goals. Like, they allowed back-to-back games with 10 goals. And so... The Blues probably thought, well, we're rolling right now, and even if we get down, we'll fight back into this one. And the slowness just continued through this one. And to be honest with you, they played fine. The second period, they got offense going. The third period, they were the better team. Kapo Kakinen just for some reason realized that he could actually stop some pucks in that game. And I didn't think they played fine in the first period. No, the first period they were slow. It was pretty obvious, but their goaltender kept a minute. And then the second period you lose back-to-back-to-back back faceoffs, and you can't get the puck out of the zone. And your goaltender lets a couple of, of get past them. But that was a game that you lose. You say, well, weird-ish happens in the NHL. It. Let's focus on the next one. Yeah. The problem here is if you go out and lay another egg against Anaheim and another egg against the L.A. Kings because this team has rebounded well after bad performances, slow starts. Last year they didn't, and the one that I remembered fondly was that Arizona Coyotes shutout, and then they lost the next two games. You can't do that if you want to prove that you're a different team this year.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't take anything away from it last night. I'm with you guys. I. Uh, it definitely felt like going into it. I, I don't know if you guys felt this way going into the game. It felt like a trap game. Oh, like yeah. it, it just I, felt like, you know, nobody wants to be in San Jose. The Sharks don't even want to be there. And if you come out, and I heard Jamie say this on the fast lane, you know, players sometimes go into that game and they go, all right, let's show off our skills. And then you fall behind one-nothing, well, and all of a sudden it is, oh, crap, what do we do? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened last night. And then you just couldn't find that, couldn't find a way to stop that. The snowball effect happens. Um, I I didn't take too much away from it. Now, I agree with what you guys have said. You know, if they go 0-4 on this road trip, all right, now this guy is falling because that's where you should have gotten at least two free points. We'll see how they respond. I'm more concerned about what the response looks like rather than them going into San Jose, a place where there was like maybe 20 fans and getting just shellacked.
3: Yeah, because because is is your structure now messed up? Do you just giving up on what's been working for you? Or was this just a blip on the radar where you said, yeah, we weren't ready, but now we're going to be in the same spot for the next couple of days, getting ready for Anaheim, and we'll focus on this one. If this becomes a trend, we will have serious
0: criticism for yeah. the Blues come Monday morning. As of today, we're not there yet. So I—that's—that's that's really all I've got on on what happened last night in the disaster that was that five to one loss on the road in San Jose. The power play, by the way. It, yeah, th- this, this is something that is, like, That's the really chapping my ass, man. You had four power plays against the worst penalty kill in the NHL, and you got zero goals but, on it. But you got ten shots. Th- they <laughs> did. Like, honestly, the puck movement, the shots on goal, like, all of it looked good last night on the power play. And it still didn't matter. Yeah. Like, at some point, these – I don't know if they need to just burn some sage in the locker. I don't know what they've got to do, man. But the juju in this is horrible. Like, Throw out the fourth liners. Do something.
3: Well, (laughs) they didn't have a great game last night either. I'm with you,
0: but, like, (laughs) literally draw names out of a hat the way that we talked about with the lineup for the Cardinals when things would go really bad last year. Just, like, draw up names and be like, all right, you're going here, you're going there. Just completely shuffle everything around to just try something new, man. Like, flip the defenseman and the forwards on the unit for one Ooh. game. Like, literally get crazy with it because it cannot be worse than it is right now. It can't be. It's historically bad right now, and you went up against a historically bad penalty kill, and it still didn't matter, man. It still didn't matter. This is a guy in net. Alex, you told me yesterday. I'm sorry. I'm cooking right now. You told yeah, me yesterday. I thought you weren't angry about yeah, this loss. I, I thought you were just glossing I'm actually over this. i not. Believe me. <laughs> Apparently you are. I'm actually not upset right now. Um, You told me yesterday, ah, guess who they're starting in net for the Sharks. This is the guy that the Blues have his number. He allows five goals per game against this team. He
3: does. That's a a fact. That's a stat.
0: Did you see him last night? Yes. Looks like a damn brick wall in front (laughs) of
3: that net. Which seems to be a trend for this Blues team. Every time they play against a goalie, that's like, oh, Connor Ingram with Arizona. Oh, yeah, this guy's giving up like four goals a game against the Blues. Oh, until tonight. But again there was nobody in front of the net i tweeted out the heat map from natural stat trick last night it was like a little blip on the radar there was a little blue dot in front of the goaltender and the blue dot by the way was the goal that they scored in the third period how do you expect to beat goalies if you're not putting bodies in front of the net i've got a new idea
0: sammy blay robert bortuzzo tyler tucker
3: and the reincarnation oscar sunquist
0: and who else could we? Put? Jake Neighbors, that is your five-man power play unit going into the next you game. you think that's going to? Who's, who's putting the puck on net? All of them. All of Tucker them are. And, and then they're taking the, the body. They're, they're going to go full replacement Man, style and so just kick the crap out of whoever's in front of so them. So many shorthanded <laughs> goals are going to
3: be scored on that power play. It's hey, not even funny. Honestly,
0: if the Blues are given a power play, what they should try to do is say, we'll actually take the PK here. Yeah, we'll treat this because as a penalty kill. Because they are kill. more effective at scoring goals on the penalty kill this year than they are on the power play. I'm not kidding. They are literally more effective at scoring goals on the PK than they have been so far this year with an extra man on the ice. It doesn't make any sense. I, you I cannot angry. explain yeah. it, but that's where we're at. I'm okay. getting the you I thought
3: angry. we were the, just a blip on the yeah. radar. Yeah. And
0: the well, last night on. was a blip on the radar in terms of the loss. The power play is not a blip on the radar yeah. anymore. I've
1: just come to terms that it stinks.
3: It yeah. stinks, but it can't be this bad, right? No, no.
0: no, no I've no, come no, to no, terms
1: no, with it. No. Remember yeah. when we
3: said last year that the defense can't be this bad, yeah. right? And then yeah. it was the rest of the season?
1: Yeah. It might be this bad. I'm at the point where Ruby should try to decline these. you
3: know what really hurt the team? The fact that they got that. Going to San
1: Jose. (laughs) The fact that they
3: didn't get a power play against Tampa Bay. Like, you're two for four against Colorado, and you're like, hey, we actually figured this out. We did it. Zero power play opportunities against Tampa. So you just sit on your morals that like, oh, hey, we're actually pretty good at the power play now. And then, boom, oh, we forgot that we can score on the power play against San Jose. uh, They're back to being the worst power play in the NHL. But the penalty kill went two for two, guys. (laughs) Moving on up. How many the, shorthanded goals do they have this year? They got three. They got three, They've yeah. got three power play and they goals. Had, three short-handed they had goals. seven all all of last year. I just <laughs> actually I think it's four shorthanded goals. Two from.
1: Boots, well, they scored Cabin, more than seven power play goals Torque this year.
0: Four. So they are literally more effective yeah. playing with a man down than a man up. Yeah. Are they going to score seven
1: power play goals this year? Will they be able to tie the shorthanded goal mark from last year or no? Like, they're trending towards no, I think.
3: I honestly don't know about that one, this power play. I mean, every time I feel like they're building something and they get 10 shots on goal, it's like, oh, well, the goaltender's great. Or when the goaltender's not great in the game at 5 on five, oh, that's the power play that they either don't get any or they don't get any shots on their power play chances. So it's very Jekyll and Hyde. I should, again, say this. It doesn't matter
0: last night. It looks
3: better last night. The power
1: play looked okay, better. Hold on. Pause. Now let me cook. We've been saying that after a lot of power plays recently. We're like, oh, the well, puck then Eventually, movement.
0: the tide's going to turn, man. Yeah. Is it if though? you
1: keep hitting the ball hard in
3: baseball,
0: eventually it's going to drop for some hits. That's I what know. I was told I with Matt Carpenter, and you know. then it never
1: changed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it never changed for the, Matt
3: Carpenter. Well, maybe they get some salsa, and then it'll work.
1: Uh, what maybe. would be a good dish to make for a hockey team? Salsa probably Poutine. Not. poutine. Yeah.
3: You make some poutine, some gravy and french T-Bone fries. t hates poutine, though. Yeah, he hates everything. Look that's good. Of course he hates Poutine. Alright, next thing that I wanted to get to here. Oh,
0: there's more. What's a reasonable level of concern about Joel Hofer? Again, I I, I want to make this very clear. After <laughs> last night was mom, fine. <laughs> I'm fine, okay? It's like when I ask my wife, is everything okay? I'm fine. Okay, so we're But then, <laughs> then you did this and then <laughs> you did
3: that and then you treated me like this and you said this
0: We're very much not fine, cool. I will give you ten <laughs> cool. minutes. I'll be back in a little bit. Um I'm fine. Joel Hofer, in his two losses this season, has allowed 10 goals on 63 shots. Alex, that's not ideal. I don't have to give you the math. It's bad. In his other four or in his other three games, though, and four goals on 80 shots. That's great. You you can't ask for much more than that out of your backup goaltender. Is this going to be a situation where Joel Hofer is very much a all or nothing type of a goalie at this point in his career?
3: I don't think so. I think this is the early portion of a young rookie goaltender's career. Like we saw this last season too, where he had a couple of games where we're like, oh damn. And then he had a couple of games. that was like, ooh, damn. Uh, and I think that's what the season is. Look, the Arizona Coyotes game for him. It's easy. Describable. He had a rough going, but the team in front of him was, was crap last night team in front of him in the first period was not good and they allowed the backdoor tap-ins. And then the second period, he gave up a couple of goals that probably frustrated him. As the young goaltender, and I can never act like I know this because I've never played the position, but it seems like it seems like you have that moment where that first goal gets past you and it's like, oh, damn, I can't let this thing get out of hand. Honestly, it's kind of like what Husso was in his first couple of games in, in his time as the starter with the Blues. One would get past him off of like the second shot in the game and then you'd be like, oh, no, here we go. And then he would either let two more in or he would shut down the rest of the game. So I think right now it's just the early makings of a goaltender understanding how trends work and making sure you can figure out how to, clear your mind after that first one gets past you and shut things down and last night it just kind of it snowballed on top of him and he never came back from it
0: and he's been good more often than he's been bad And as long as you have that ratio you're fine over the course of the season does it make it more likely though we were going to talk about this yesterday never got to it because i'm long-winded did you does it make it more likely that you end up going to bennington closer to like 55 or 60 games if this is what you end up expecting out of hofer this year like does it increase bennington's workload if you get this kind of up-and-down nature to Joel Hofer's game? No,
3: because I, I they have the schedule in place, and unless Joel Hofer becomes a consistent liability every time he's in net, you're going to keep with the schedule. He was scheduled for this one because they want to make sure that Bennington's available, as Joey talked about last night. Um, Binnington, they want him to be fresh and available for all of the Central Division games down the stretch. So when games like this present themselves, it was an ideal matchup for Joel Hofer. And you laid an well, egg and you couldn't get it done. Well, it I know, I understand it. But you're going to play Jordan Bennington against the LA Kings Saturday night. You'll play Joel Hofer against the Anaheim Ducks. And then I would imagine you stick with the same schedule. Yep. Now, if he becomes a liability in the next couple of games where you're like, hey, we can't keep tossing him out there then Bennington gets more of the workload. But I think at the end of the season, you're going to see somewhere between 50 and 55 games for Jordan Bennington, which means you're going to get 32 to 27 for Joel Holfer.
0: That is Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live at the E&B Granite Studios out at the Centene community. Ice center blues are not here today. They will be back in action tomorrow night out in Los Angeles. Alex will have full coverage for that one tomorrow, right here on your home of the blues. 101 ESPN coming up in about 15 minutes or so. It is not. On Tinder Day, baby, for all of those that celebrate Uh a big day in Major League Baseball. And I am very curious to see how the Cardinals approach it. I think it's going to be telling. This is a legitimately huge day for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. So we'll get into that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, speaking of huge days, huge night last night in the NFL. I told you guys, Thursday night football is bad And it took away two of the best players in the league last night from us, potentially for the rest of the regular season. We'll discuss what it means for the AFC playoff race
2: next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Oh, here's Burroughs shaking his head. After trying to throw on the sideline, you can tell there's a problem.
1: After he attempted that first throw,
0: you see the recoil, the reaction there. Now he's headed back to the locker room. Yeah, uh, and,
2: uh, you know, it's that screen grab that you saw earlier today. I mean, yeah. it was nothing. Yeah. It was something.
0: That's what it sounded like on the Amazon broadcast last night. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled. Al Michaels having to watch a backup quarterback once again. Jake Browning comes in the game in uh, relief of Joe Burrow, who had some kind of wrist hand something going on. Couldn't grip the football, tried to throw it, and it, like, slipped out of his hand. He falls to his knees because clearly he's in frustration and in pain. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Bradford Bruns back in the studio for us. We are broadcasting live today out at the ENB Granite Studios at the Cintine Community Ice Center. Guys, that sucked. Genuinely sucked last night. And I'm not just saying that because I have a bet on the Bengals to win the division. I hate watching all of these quarterbacks go down. We already have so many terrible quarterbacks around the league right now that Joe Burrow was finally starting to play well. The last, like, month of the season, he's been great. Now, yeah, last week they lost, but it wasn't Joe Burrow's fault. The defense fell apart against the Texans, and C.J. Stroud played incredible football. At least with Burrow, we knew, like, hey, when when he's healthy and he's right, the Bengals are going to be there at the end of the year, and we're going to be able to have them as part of the AFC playoff race. If he's done... And it seems like he at least might be done for the rest of the season. You can go ahead and cross them off of the list of legitimate contenders in the AFC, man. This this stinks. I hate how many quarterbacks we've lost in the NFL this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you could pretty much write them off regardless because, I mean, even if he plays next week, you know he's not going to be 100%. And if Joe Burrow's not 100%, your team doesn't have a chance to make a run, specifically if Baltimore's just widened that gap and, frankly, the AFC is so wide open that if Pittsburgh or Cleveland... That's why I can't
0: write him off if he's back. If if he's able to play, they can still potentially make the postseason, but... It's going to be an uphill battle, Only because the AFC is, I mean, an absolute disaster right now. Like, the Raiders are in
3: the playoff mix right now, and the Raiders stink. But but we've also seen what Cleveland looks like in the beginning of the season, when Burrow wasn't 100%. Like It doesn't look good, so if he's not 100%, you're, you're going to be in trouble with this one, but I agree. I, I mean, it wasn't just Joe Burrow too. I mean, you lose Mark Andrews on the other side with Baltimore. That was a massive blow for that team. Lamar Jackson looked like he was going to go out of that game. Luckily, he stayed healthy and was in it, and you're already talking about the Cincinnati team that didn't have T. Higgins, so it, it sucks when you lose all of these talents and all of these playmakers, especially when you've got two great teams like this going head-to-head, but This is where the depth comes into play, and frankly, uh, I'm curious to see what both sides look like because both sides lost very impactful players And and we'll get to the Mark Andrews
0: side of this here in just a minute, but, man, the the, the Burrow thing changes not just the playoff race, the Super Bowl race. Because if he's healthy, even if they won nine games this year and snuck into the playoffs, it's still a team that, as a Chiefs fan, I'm terrified of. Oh, yeah. If Joe Burrow sneaks into the postseason— He's the most terrifying guy that can come into your building because that dude can go head-to-head against whichever quarterback that you have to offer, and on any given day, he can outplay them. And if he outplays your starting quarterback, like, they might win, man. And they've got Lou Anarumo, who is one of the best defensive minds in the game. He can come up with game plans that flummox your quarterback for a half, and that might be enough. A half of bad football by your offense, a great game by Joe Burrow, boom, you're going home, Bengals are advancing. That's what they did to advance to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So they... They are still a team that would concern me, but this kind of an injury, it if he is out for any extended period of time and they are eliminated from the playoffs as a result, it's bad for football, honestly. Because that means two of the first four years of his career, he will have essentially not been available for the Bengals, and
1: that sucks. Yeah, it, it would be awful for the NFL and the playoffs. I mean, you look at some of the top teams that we thought were going to get there, I mean... There's a chance, especially with this injury, you don't see Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, or Justin Herbert in the playoffs mm. this year. Think about that. that. That's crazy to think about. Now, granted, only one of those because of Aaron injuries. Rogers. Aaron Rodgers, too. Yeah, he got hurt on the first snap of the season. So the whole AFC, the talk of the quarterback, and quarterbacks and how deep the AFC was. Kirk Cousins. Cousins out in the NFC. You're starting to see the list of quarterbacks that you're like, man, I can't, I hope that those guys get in because they are fun to watch. And now we're probably going to see like a Trubisky potentially get Ugh. in. You look at the Browns, they've got their backup quarterback. They might be able to sneak in. But, yeah, you're right. If Burrow is out for any significant time, the Bengals are just done. And, and look, I, I think their backup was okay last night. Like, it, you can maybe draw up some – maybe you can find a way to sneak out some wins against maybe like the Steelers. Maybe you could surprise the Jaguars. But you don't have a real shot. Like you, you need your hope. Best hope is that Burrow maybe misses like two weeks and he's this extended time off because of this Thursday night game. He's able to somehow come back. Doesn't need an IR stint, and then you go on a, just a late season surge and hope that somebody ends up falling out of the playoff picture.
0: So the other side of this, Alex, which you were referencing, was the injury that took place for the Ravens and the Ravens right now have the second best record in the AFC. They're eight and three on the season, and it doesn't feel that way because. Alex, we've mentioned this a number of times. They are so inconsistent offensively. Now, the defense is great. They've been great defensively from start to finish so far this year for the most part. But the offense, man, some days you watch them and you're like, man, this is one of the best offenses in the NFL. In other games you watch them and you're like, I – what is going on? I feel like I'm watching a rerun of last year's offense, and they should be better. They've got better weapons. Lamar Jackson is healthy this time around. They have a better offensive coordinator. It doesn't make any sense. Well, now they're going to have to overcome even more adversity on the offensive side of the ball. Here's John Harbaugh after the game last night. I do have one injury announcement to make. Unfortunately, on the negative side, Mark Andrews has a very serious ankle injury. It looks like a season-ending injury. So um, our prayers will be with Mark. He uh, Nobody cares more about the team and uh, and being there for the guys than Mark Andrews. So it's going to be hard for him, but we're going to be there for him all the way. Dude, this offense can't be what it needs to be without Mark Andrews on the field. It just can't. I, I don't know that I can take them seriously as a Super Bowl threat if that guy's going to be out for the rest of the year. And it sounds like where the Burrow thing is a a maybe – It's almost a certainty at this point. Mark Andrews is going to miss the rest of the season. And for me, that eliminates them from Super Bowl contention. Playoff contention, they're still going to get there. They're almost certainly going to win that division. Talking about the Super Bowl, man, if your best threats offensively are Gus Edwards, Odell Beckham Jr. in the year 2023, (laughs) and Zay Flowers, nah, man, that ain't going to be enough. I I don't trust that offense. Not against the Chiefs, not against some of these best teams in the NFL, Uh uh-uh, nope. That team cannot win the Super Bowl in 2023. Yeah,
3: the only way they do it is the, the way that the Ravens won the Super Bowl the last time around was their defense has to be unbelievable. Oh, I
1: thought you were going to say bring back Joe well, Flacco. Well, Joe Flacco would it's be like, nice whoa. too.
3: But, I mean, your defense – and look, defense has been the reason they've been an 8-3 and three team so far this season with a couple of games that the offense has shown up. But that to me is – is just as massive because, like, the red zone offense that they run is solely dictated off of Mark Andrews. And the, we, the reason that I've been so skeptical with this team is because their red zone offense never includes Mark Andrews. It doesn't seem like they want to throw it to him. They want to throw it to OBJ. They want to force it down the throat to a running back that's not working. Now you take him out of the game. Maybe Isaiah likely becomes no. a likely weapon for them. You're welcome. But yeah, they're. I've been
1: sitting on that for a while
3: yeah, since last night. But they're, <laughs> but they're bleeped. I mean, like you lose Mark Andrews, that is the that is the key cog for that red zone offense. So- and
0: not only that, he's the chain mover. Like you yeah. got third and six, you got to yeah. extend the drive. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to get Lamar on the run. He's going to find Mark Andrews, and they're going to extend the drive. That's what they do. He's a, he's a pacifier for a quarterback. And I, Lamar's great. That offense has some things that I really do like. I like Zay Flowers a lot. I think he's a really good NFL wide receiver. He's a rookie, and most of his targets are coming at or near the line of scrimmage. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is starting to better right now, especially with the downfield ability. If Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers are the top two guys that you can trust in your offense, I don't think that's an offense that can win the Super Bowl uh, this year. So I think it's a, a real concern for them moving forward and they're going to need that defense to not just be good. They're going to need that defense to be special in the postseason if they're going to do anything meaningful uh, without Mark Andrews out there.
1: See, I so I, I do agree it's a lot tougher for them to win Super. I'm not writing them off just yet, though, because I don't trust anybody in the AFC, to be frank with you. I, I don't look at the Chiefs, and I don't think Mahomes has played particularly well, and I don't trust his weapons outside of Kelsey, but Kelsey needs the swift boost. Otherwise, he's just an average tight end. Um, I, I look at Miami. I don't trust them completely just yet. Like There is not one team in the AFC that I look at, and I I go. That's the team that you got to beat to get there. It's I don't. I don't
0: City I, at this point,
1: I, I mean they are because of where they are in the standings right now. But I don't trust them right now. I trust their defense.
0: I, fine, I, I trust guess. The defense, but defense and I trust that eventually, Patrick if they go Mahomes, up against Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, will get it figured out offensively well enough. I I trust their offense. Uh, I mean, I trust the Chiefs more than I trust the Ravens. Sands, Mark Andrews, and they're the only other team that's even close to what the Chiefs are right now.
1: Yeah, I I just – I still don't believe in the Chiefs just 100% yet to where I say, okay, that is the team that you're going to have to knock off. I I think Kansas City could be upset in the playoffs at some point. I I don't know if it would be Baltimore. I mean, I could see where Miami, if they run into them, I could see Miami taking them down. I could. I mean, I don't see – if Miami gets hot with Tua and Tyreek, yes, I do. I don't. I don't trust Kansas City offense right now. And until I I can trust the offense – I don't trust
0: the Dolphins offense. When have they done it against any good team?
1: That's fair, but I I don't trust – there's nobody in the AFC – that I would say, okay, circle them as the team that's going to get through. Like, I would under, I would hear an argument and for every you, team. When you get into that kind of a spot,
0: I will defer to the team that's been to the AFC Championship game in every single season in Patrick Mahomes' career. And the only team that beats him is Joe Burrow. So if Joe Burrow ain't going to be there, I'm not trusting any of these other teams to be able to pull it off. Patrick Mahomes is going to end up in the AFC Championship game once again, and we can throw any of these other teams up against them. This is not me being a Chiefs fan. It's just the reality, man. Like, God, I hope they lose. Nah, dog, you're wrong. It's going to be the Houston Texans. These teams just aren't as good as the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs have the best defense other than the Ravens, and their offense is at least similar to the Ravens. Both of them have fits and starts, and now the Ravens, like if the Chiefs lost Travis Kelsey, we're talking about something entirely different, and now I'm right there with you where there is no favorite in the AFC. But the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. They have the pacifier for their offense that the Ravens just lost. So um, I think that the AFC right now, while open, there's one team that is very clearly at the top of the list and they have not looked good for most of the season. But they're 7-2 and, and
2: they're what's, at the top of the AFC. What's wild
3: about it though is we're acting like that's the best team and I could pick two teams, three teams in the NFC that are night and day better than all of these teams in the AFC?
0: I don't know that I can.
3: See, I think I I can. I think all of these teams around the league are incredibly flawed. Like, the Eagles
0: this year are worse than the Eagles from a year ago. I think The Chiefs this year are worse than the Chiefs were a year ago.
3: I think Philadelphia, I think San Francisco, no, not San Francisco. I think Philadelphia, Dallas, and Detroit are the teams that are better than all of these AFC teams right now. I mean, I
0: I would agree with that, but, like, I saw the Chiefs play against Detroit in week one. The Chiefs were without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and Charles Aminihue, three of their, like, ten best players, and they lost by one. So I, I I can't say that the Detroit Lions are a significantly better football team than the Chiefs when that is the backdrop to what we're talking about here. First week of the all season, of these, weird stuff
3: happens.
1: Fair. Yeah, I think all of these teams
0: four. are, for the most part, worse than they were last year. I,
1: that I part I would agree are with. are
0: worse than last year. The Eagles worse than last year. Chiefs worse than last year. And I don't think anybody else has taken a necessary step to be better than those teams. I thought maybe the Ravens could have been that team. And now they just lost probably their second best player on the roster.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with, I think, some of these teams are taking a step back. But I do probably agree with Alex. I would definitely throw Philadelphia, Detroit. Honestly, I may even still throw San Francisco up there ahead the of some of the quarterback is what teams. makes me
3: worried with um, that.
1: Fair, but I think they've got an all-around better roster and as a their whole. Defense. Um, so I, I think the three teams in the NFC are clearly better. Now, I may be able to buy more into the Chiefs if they can – find a way to beat the Eagles this week I when they play on Monday night so my- if that happens then yeah that's I'll guy. hear more of the argument about the Chiefs if they don't and it still doesn't look that impressive Say, for me offensively just, then I'm not going to be buying into the Kansas City Chiefs as the favorite in the AFC that's fair. I, I,
0: listen man I've been the one that's been highly critical of the Chiefs this year I, I think they've stunk for most of the season they're sleepwalking through this year so is everybody else like we want to talk about the Jaguars man they just got absolutely blitzed yeah, by no. the 49ers I'm done with we, them we can talk as much as we want to about how the Ravens look like the like a better team right now man last week they just lost to the Browns like this this just happened we just saw them play against a broken Deshaun Watson who apparently was throwing with one shoulder in the game and he beat him he put up 33 on their defense that we all think is so impressive. so I, I don't know, man. I, I think all of these teams are fundamentally flawed, and the one team that I can just rely on their institutional um, basis, their, their belief that they've had for five years now, it's the Chiefs, so that's the one that I'm going to I think you just on. got bad blood against all the a- other <laughs> <AFC> <laughs> the worst. I hate what you did there. T-Bone didn't recognize it. but I'm I like, did. That was good. <laughs> Coming up next, it's non-Tinder Day, baby. You know what that means. We get to find out if the Cardinals are going to be keeping Dakota Hudson, Jake Woodford, Tyler O'Neal, what it means for their futures here in St. Louis, and because it's a deadline day, that means baseball actually has to do some stuff. They don't like doing that. Today's the day where they're going to have to. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Because of the non-tender
0: deadline, we had a deal last night, late last night, right before midnight Eastern time, pretty significant one between the Braves and the White Sox. And uh, on this list, Soroka and Lopez would have been non-tender candidates with the braves so the braves say okay if we're gonna non-tender them let's move them on to a team that has
2: a greater need for them and then bring back aaron bummer
0: alongside alex ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon Kylie. you got bk and ferrario here on 101 esp and that was jp morosi this morning on mlb network talking about a trade that went down in major league baseball guys we know how this works Baseball teams only do business when there's a deadline that's taking place. That's the only thing that can get them to actually move. It's like, T-Mone, whenever we have a guest that we want to get on, and you're our, uh, our bulldog that's texting them, you'll do the thing where you're like,
3: hey, Brian, hey, Brian, hey, Brian. Oh, you're a nap. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I
3: didn't know you were a
1: nap. Hey, hey, if you don't respond, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to take it as you didn't get that message. You know the meme
0: of the, the stick figure that's like, do something. That's essentially all of us to Major League
3: Baseball. Tanner's when Stewie. When there's not a deadline. Tanner's Stewie from Family Guy. Hey, mom, 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 mommy, mommy, hey. mommy.
0: What? The reason why I bring that up is because today's one of those days. Today's a day where teams actually are forced to make moves. It is the tender or non-tender deadline. It's going to take place this evening. And basically what this means is you decide as a team, are we going to place a tender on this player to keep them in town or do you non-tender them and they become a part of the free agency uh, group? So these are your arbitration players. So it's guys like Tyler O'Neill, Dakota Hudson, Tommy Edmond, Ryan Helsley, Andrew Kisner, Dylan Carlson, Jake Woodford, and Jojo Romero here in St. Louis. There's a, every team in Major League Baseball has players like that, that they've got to make decisions on today. And for some teams, what they will do is they'll say, you know what, we're not going to tender this guy, so instead of non-tendering him, why don't we try to get something in return? We'll make a trade, so that way somebody else can take our garbage, they can hopefully find some kind of a treasure in here, and maybe it's because we don't want to pay the salary, maybe it's because we just don't want, we don't like the player, we don't believe in the player any longer, whatever the reason. I find today to be a very interesting day for the Cardinals. I would like to see them make moves similar to what the uh, the Atlanta Braves did yesterday, where they traded a bunch of their stuff that they didn't want anymore for a reliever that they think could actually help them. That's what they should, what the Cardinals should do today. Tyler O'Neill shouldn't be here tomorrow. Dakota Hudson shouldn't be here tomorrow. Jake Woodford should not be a part of this team by this time tomorrow. I am highly skeptical that all of those things will actually take place but Alex if this team is operating the way that they say they're going to and they're going to make real meaningful significant changes I think all of those should be changes that
3: take place by the end of business hours today I completely agree with you but let's go down the Cardinals path it's not going to happen because one thing we know for sure is this Cardinals team values the 40-man roster and if I'm going to do my best Mo impersonation it's going to be well, Brandon, how how do we fill this 40-man roster if we get rid of all of those players? We sign players. We have to be prudent with our money, <laughs> and the money that you want us to spend to sign these players for our 40-man roster, that's going to go to certain individuals that we're paying a lot of money man, to. Man, have you looked at their 40-man roster? Yes, recently? it's something that should just be purged did right you, now. Did you know James Nail is still on the 40-man no, roster? Is the call, no, is he? No, I man, did not. They're going to DFA him on his birthday again, aren't they?
1: Yeah, most are just waiting for the right <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah,
3: <laughs> the right time being his birthday. But, like, I— and, that was tongue in cheek, but I am being serious. They're probably. You no, know, get- Moises Gomez is still on the forty man. Wow, you
0: like, don't trade him. You don't t- get t- a rid today. Of that pop. Moises Gomez should be traded.
3: Who's Michael Ciani? Exactly, trade him. Or DFAM.
1: That's that outfielder they acquired earlier Jared in the year.
3: Young, Forever Young. We have those guys yeah. right claimed now. Earlier. What are we
0: doing with, with this The Buddy Kennedy character? Well, the... You just claimed yeah. him. Hey, I by didn't the way, Jared Young. You
1: said they needed to have him uh, for depth. Whatever.
0: I, I think it's all silly. Uh, Moises Gomez. The, the guy couldn't even get a call up at the end of last year. When you needed every outfielder possible, they were like, yeah, no, not Moises, though. Like, anybody else
3: but Moises Gomez. You've got four so, catchers on your roster right now, like the Cardinals always have... seem to do.
0: So many spots to potentially play with. And so instead of just doing the same thing and beating your head against the wall repeatedly, go make moves, man. This is a day where other teams are incentivized to make roster decisions. Call the Tampa Bay Rays. They always have to fill out their 40-man roster on a day like today or the non-tender deadline when guys start getting a little more expensive. Call them and find out what they're selling. There's probably an arm or two that's better than what you currently have in your organization. Go get them. Go get them. Find out what the price is and go make the deal.
3: They're going to make the excuses for a lot of these guys, though. I can already hear. Well, Dakota Hudson provides us depth if one of our guys doesn't pan out. Well, we've got to make sure we have Yvonne Herrera on our roster because what happens if an injury takes place? Well, no, That's different, though. Ivon brought-
0: Herrera is not the kind of guy that I'm talking about. Ivon
3: Herrera has promise. He has f- a future here. They would argue that a lot of these guys have promise no, and a future they can't. here. Jose
0: Fermin does not have a future in well, St. Louis. Well, what happens
3: if we lose Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edman, and Nolan then Gorman this screwed. The season. You well, lose. not if I keep my 40 man roster in place and keep this guy on the team. Moises Gomez
0: has no future here in St. Louis. Jose Fermin has no future here in St. Louis. And somebody on the text line 314 399 9646 is the air comfort service text line. Say, guys, if you're saying that let's get rid of all these dudes because they're bad, then the other teams are going to say the same thing. Why would we take them on? They're terrible. True. Look at what just took place with this trade between the White Sox and the Braves. That is the formula. The Braves got a guy who had a really down year this year as a reliever. And in return, they sent their stuff that they didn't want. They were going to non-tender like every single dude that they sent in that trade to the White Sox. The White Sox are about to enter a massive rebuilding phase. And so they're just taking on all of these spare parts to see, okay, does one of these guys end up having value by the time we get to the trade deadline? And if they do great, we flipped a reliever that we were going to non tender for some stuff that maybe we can get something in return for at the deadline. It's asset management. That's all this time of the year is for teams that aren't planning to win in 2024. So if you're one of these teams, that's not planning to win Dakota Hudson might have value to you. He may be a super cheap number five starter, Here in St. Louis, he has no value because you don't want him as your number five starter because you have to improve from that spot. The Kansas City Royals, man, they might have something that you can go out there and be like, hey... Give us this reliever that you guys are giving up on that doesn't have a future there that's on a one-year deal. We'll give you Dakota Hudson, and you can find out if maybe you can tinker with the knobs and you can be the team. That ends up
3: getting – fiddle with the knobs, excuse me. You can get something that is a little bit more meaningful out of him than what we were able to. Yeah, but why would you want to fiddle with someone's knob that you don't know anything about with stuff that you already know isn't great? Well,
1: you see something. I mean, that's the whole reason he do doing you would do it. Like, yeah, I mean, the, bright, the White Sox didn't just go, yeah, sure throw it throwing this guy this guy this guy and this guy Oh they, no
3: I mean the Cardinals no, no, the but the Cardinals I, can't identify but that But I mean type every team operates
1: this way every team's going to operate and say here's what we think you know it, I'm sure if, let's use the Royals as an example if they said okay here's a reliever that we think we can get for a Tyler O'Neill or a Dakota Hudson who we are going probably should non tender I I think they would say okay we believe if we acquire that this reliever put an insert name here we can tinker with his whether it be slider or his curveball, and then we think we can make that from a pitch that's you know being whiffed on twenty percent of the time to thirty percent of the time. Like those are the things that are going on today. They, these are the kind of moves that don't don't win an off season, aren't headlines in an off season, but can be looked back upon once we get to like August and September. Of oh wow, do you remember when they acquired so and so for it's a, Tyler O'Neill, Sosa, for exactly, JoJo
0: Romero type of a deal? Like that's what is made today. Now that was a trade deadline deal, but it's. It's something that easily could have been made on a 40-man decision day or a non-tender day, and it would have made all the sense in the world. JoJo Romero is the exact type of pitcher that you probably will acquire today. And JoJo Romero is a meaningful pitcher for this team. He's going to probably fit into your 7th or 8th inning mix next year. And the Cardinals saw something that they liked with him. They saw the velocity in the slider, and they said, hey, we can work with that. We'll see if it ends up working out here, and if not, no arm, no foul. If it does... Great, maybe we've got a leverage reliever. Those are the kinds of guys that you'll be able to potentially acquire today. On the other teams acquiring your trash, Alex, what I think they'll see is, okay, so hold on, I can acquire a guy that is 29 years old in Dakota Hudson. He has a career 3.85 ERA in almost 100 starts in the major leagues, over 470 innings, and I'm going to pay him $3 bucks for next year? Like, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. You can make a case that Dakota Hudson is a more significant piece than, uh, what's the guy's name? The pitcher that the Guardians, DFA? Cal Quantrill? Yeah. Like, who would you rather have, Cal Quantrill or Dakota Hudson? I think it's a wash. And the Guardians were able to find a taker for Cal Quantrill today. He's going to go to the Colorado Rockies. They got some catcher who I've never heard of in return. He'll probably end up amounting to nothing. So will whoever you get for Dakota Hudson today, most likely. But at least you tried. It might end up being the type of deal where you get Juan Yepes in return. Remember that? A few years ago, they traded a nothing burger for Juan Yepes, and Juan Yepes became something. Oh, he was the lottery don't, ticket.
1: Don't just throw Big City under the bus like that. Uh, they were done with him, though. I know, but was, we didn't have to add the adjective. It was a distressed
0: asset that they traded to the they traded Braves traded away and, a St. Louis hero
1: in Matt Adams. Agreed.
0: Uh, that was unfair. Gosh. Uh, you know I love Matt Adams, too, but they, they traded away Not something anymore. they were done with <laughs> for a lottery ticket. They scratched the lottery ticket, and in return, they got five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's
1: something. You know, it's, it's found money. And it's probably easier to make a move like this today with a pitcher like a Dakota Hudson because all these rebuilding teams, they don't have anywhere near the innings that they're going to need this year. Like the Royals do not have anywhere close to the innings they're going to need. The Pirates have nowhere near the innings they're going to need. And they're not going to be players for any major free agent. They might take on a project like the Pirates did two years ago when they signed Jose Quintana because they said, hey, look, here's some innings. Just see if you can recoup value and we'll trade you. But they'll be making a lot of moves like this. That's why Colorado acquired Cal Contro. Did they acquire him because they're like, this guy's going to get us to the playoffs? No, <laughs> yes. they acquired him oh. because they want innings. And a lot of these rebuilding teams, like Oakland, Oakland's going to be looking for all kinds of starting pitchers today that are just like, can you just show up and yeah. throw like five innings every they gotta start? they got to get through a season. Yeah, the, exactly. The goal for
0: a lot of teams is, okay, how, how do we make it through 2024?
1: without Without – speeding up the process on the arms that we truly believe in
0: who are guys that can fill the innings for next year so we don't have to go to our guys that we actually care about yeah because those are the guys that we're going to build around for 2026 we got to get through 2024 before we can get to 2026 it's essentially what the what the blues are doing with some of these guys that they've got on the forward spots like who can we fill these minutes with that will allow us to continue to develop dalibor dvorsky at a proper rate that'll allow us to hold off while we're waiting for Jimmy Snuggerud or while Bull Duke ends up developing in the AHL. That That's what a lot of teams are doing with their, their pitching right now. All right, before we get out of here, get to ask us anything on the other side. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. It sounds like the Brewers are going to be trading Brandon Woodruff by the end of the day today. He's going to make $11 million next year is the projected arbitration number. He just had shoulder surgery, which is, could end up making him miss the entirety of the 2024 season. Some teams think maybe he's going to start for you for like the last 10 games, last 10 starts of the year for you. Would you consider making this move? Like if they called and said, "Hey, Tyler
3: O'Neill for Brandon Woodruff,"
0: are you doing it?
3: I mean, I would. I, I understand you get the liability with Brandon Woodruff, but what else are you going to get for Tyler O'Neill? I don't know. I I don't really. Maybe a bullpen arm. I'd much rather get a guy that I know he's not pitching this year, but at least. When he's back the following year, it's a dude who's a might not be on your team though. Is he a free agent after year. that
1: year? You could QO more sign him and do like a two year deal this year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you could do you could probably do the glass down deal essentially. The hard part is like Maybe. I don't
3: I just don't know what else is out there for him. I don't think you're going to get of anything of value for Tyler O'Neill, and that's pretty valuable even him being injured.
1: Yeah, I. I would consider if it, if it was like yeah okay you're giving up a shot in the dark prospect or you're giving up a Tyler uh, garbage um I I would oh. do that like I because though these shoulder injuries are very concerning for pitchers because it's a lot easier to recover from an elbow issue than it is shoulder as you saw with Jack Flaherty I I think Woodruff has the pedigree to where it's worth taking the shot now I wouldn't probably sign him to a two-year deal. I'd see if he starts a couple games at the back end of the season. And if he doesn't, okay, well, then we just gave up something that we weren't going to use anyways and hoping that he could recover quick enough to give us a couple starts.
0: I think I'm a no. Shoulders scare the hell out of me, you man. You want to keep Tyler O'Neill because you know he's got starts. I would just start rather potential. trade Tyler O'Neill for something else. Like, I would rather go get a lottery ticket reliever, a guy that I think is actually going to pitch meaningful innings for me next year, I think the smart money is on Brandon Woodruff not pitching next year for a major league team. And if that ends up being the case, like, I would rather spend that $10 million that I'm otherwise going to give to Woodruff on Tyler Malley or go use that $10 million on a bullpen arm. That's the opportunity cost, really, is the money that you're allocating to Brandon Woodruff that I would just rather give to somebody else. Like, if if I could get Sean Manaya next year for the entirety of the season for that same $11 million or Brandon Woodruff – I know this sounds crazy because obviously you'd rather have prime healthy Brandon Woodruff, but that's not an option. I would just rather have the full one sixty two of Sean Maniah going into next year than than Woodruff, despite the fact that obviously if he's healthy, you would definitely want that guy on the roster. All right, coming up next, three one four, three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service X line for Ask Us Anything here on one oh one ESPN
2: we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn you've got questions we may have the answers maybe it's bk and ferrario's questions and answers on 101 espn 399-9646
0: is the Air Comfort Service text line for Ask Us Anything. If you guys have any questions, sports or otherwise, go ahead and get them in now on the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, the Rockies general manager is answering questions about why the team traded for Cal Quantrill right now. Oh, boy. Did he just respond with, uh, because we need somebody who's willing to pitch in Colorado? Bill Schmidt says that Cal Quantrill's last six starts with the Guardians showed that he's overcoming his shoulder woes. He had a 2.76 ERA in those six starts.
3: Well, good for him. He's John Moe for sky. sure
0: saying that exact same thing about like Zach Thompson, right?
1: Oh, 100 well, He already did. He said they saw
3: signs of progress with Matthew Libertor last season to force him into a spot for the rotation. That's amazing. Mo,
1: Mo probably just read that. Oh, that's good. I might use
3: it. <laughs> yeah, wrote that one in his little black book. Let me book.
1: Favor that on my Twitter account. Yeah it has got this one written for that's the next That's going to be what they conference. say about
0: Lucas Giolito when they give him $60 uh, yeah. million. Dollars. No, that's
3: what they'll say about Jack Flaherty when they bring him back.
0: Oh,
1: for sure. One
3: year, 15 yeah. mil. Like, guys, we did see progress in yeah. last year.
0: For he had a zero start.
1: ERA in the postseason. Uh, oh, he didn't pitch.
0: All right, from the 636. BK, what percentage of 101 ESPN listeners do you think find you to be their favorite broadcaster? Zero. I said the over-under at 5%. Are you guys going over or
1: under? Well, I'd go under. You know, <laughs> I... I know at least a handful of people I think would call you their favorite, and that's just family. So they they cover a percentage point or so. So sure. I'll go under, yeah. To I be fair, say, I don't think I'm up there in the 5% say, range either. I think all either. three of us
3: are probably like at the bottom of the barrel. I think
0: all Randy's
3: at least 50%.
1: Like, if you asked a...
0: If you did a randomly selected group of people of a thousand listeners for 101 ESPN, but you have 500 say Randy's their favorite host on 101 ESPN. Yeah. And then I'd say, like, the second favorite. BT. He's
3: technically not. Say, are we counting know? him? I mean, I guarantee you, you'd have a large chunk of people that yeah, say that's him. That's fair. That's fair. So and let's say, like, Jamie. 25% say him.
0: 15% say Jamie Stalter. and then the others are like split up between Stalter and Tim
3: yeah and then we combine for about one or two percent oh yeah no I'm the only people that are saying that for me are my mom my dad you my think my wife they do? no probably I know that my mom likes probably she thinks I'm boring <laughs> so I listened wow, to your show the other crowd she goes I listened to your show the other day I said yeah she goes yeah you're kind of boring I said thanks <laughs> mom love you too <laughs> Man. I said, to be fair, you don't know anything about what I'm talking
0: about. I mean, my
1: mom's still it. learning what time our show runs. So <laughs> my
3: dad called me the other day
0: while we were on the air. It's like, Dad, I've had the same show time for three and a half years. What are you doing, man?
3: Yes. All right. Sounds about right. All right. Maybe uh, I
1: overstated our, our percentage. <laughs> yeah, really. no, we might actually be zero.
0: <laughs> from the 3-1-4, uh, guys, when the Cardinals decide that they're going to sit out the top of the market, who do you think is going to be their best starter for 2024?
1: Waka. It's mm. probably Sonny Gray. Yeah, I was going
3: to say Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is going to be their ace.
1: I would love it, though, if Mo's like, you know what our issue is? We just got to get the band back together. And they bring back Waka, Lynn, uh, I don't know who else would be out there on the fridge, Flaherty, 2013, and they say, yeah, Rosenthal's trying to make a comeback again. Convince Wayno like, to, to
3: tear up that retirement papers and do one more year. Me and
1: Alex's homie, Matt Adams, That's right. is yeah. Oh, yeah. still playing baseball. Yeah, BK's
3: not allowed to talk yeah. about him.
1: Like I, I think Gray's probably the guy. I think they'll get Gray in free agency, and if they don't make a trade, they'll Try and convince you that he's a number one. Or they'll or they'll say, like, oh you know, we were there, we were close. This is kind of a transition year for our rotation. That would be what I would say happens. It'll be Sonny Gray. Yeah.
3: Sonny Gray will be the ace, and the billboard will say it's sun it's a sunny upcoming Cardinal season. Speaking of Sonny Gray as the number one starter.
1: Oh no, did he just sign? It
3: Ooh. is time <laughs> for a
0: choose your own adventure oh. cardinals edition. This one I like to call. Shooting your shota. We'll get into it coming up next, you on 101 ESPN.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
0: The final day of our Choose Your Own Adventure Cardinals Offseason Edition. It's been a blast. It's been really great. Maybe we'll continue to send right it next week, who, depending on how you guys feel about it. I find who it you,
1: depressing. Who do you think
0: it's been a blast for? Me. I've been I've been having a lot of fun putting what? these together. What's giving more you guys fun? the options of what the offseason is going to look like. I know all of them are completely unfulfilling, but hey, welcome yeah, to Cardinals exactly. baseball. <laughs> it's why
1: it's depressing. You know, I just want to dream about them signing the three top starters and just go about my Dude, day. How
0: cool would it be if they signed Aaron Nola, mm. Sonny Gray, and what name would you give that offseason? Yamamoto. Well, that would be so cool. Cardinals what?
1: did what was actually needed. <laughs> that yeah. would be what it would be well, called. That doesn't have a good ring to it. The I know. Cardinals go bankrupt. True. Uh, <laughs> yeah. of the Cardinals offseason. No, Cardinals that would... need a
0: $50 million loan. Yeah, that, that would be the Cardinals trade Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado mm. edition. Mm.
2: Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Fancy. Now we're, now we're
0: getting interesting, right? <laughs> Fancy. So that is not one of the uh, scenarios that I painted oh. for you. Because that's not called, happening. That's um.
3: called Shoto Yorshata. What?
1: What? That was terrible.
3: No, I didn't Genuinely think so. I was good. awful. I thought it was actually good.
1: No. That was. That was
0: yeah, Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's I did right. Not Bradford hear that Bruns one. back in the studio. We're broadcasting live from the EBK Bradford. Out at the Centine Community <laughs> Ice Center <laughs> alongside Alex and T Bone on BK. All right, so if you're new to this, what we do, I went through and went through all the projections of okay, what are these guys going to get realistically this offseason? What are the contract projections? And how could they potentially fit into the $50 million, roughly, budget that the Cardinals have to spend this offseason? So I go through, and whether it's trades, free agency, all of these different things, what could a realistic scenario look like for the Cardinals offseason? We've gone through a bunch of different scenarios. One had Blake Snell as the top target. Another had Aaron Nola. Another had Dylan Cease. And, frankly, you guys don't like any of them. Um, the <laughs> well, one yesterday was really, really uh, panned. You, you guys really hated the idea of trading Nolan Gorman, Tink Hens, and Luke and Baker for Dylan Cease. And about 25% of you gave that a D or an F. Well, wow. guess what, everybody? That's the only way you're getting a stud. It might be. So, today, we're going with the one that you may hate even more. Uh, this <laughs> one I call shooting your shota. So... It starts out with the Cardinals doing what we all know they're really going to do. They sign Sonny Gray for three years, $66 million. So $22 million per year. They get their guys. Sonny Gray is the top pitcher that they add. Overpay. The second thing they do, they go over to Japan, and they do not sign Yamamoto. However, they do sign the second best starting pitcher that's coming over from Japan this offseason, Shota Imanaga. Four years, $60 million. A more than a reasonable deal, $15 million per year. And you've got Sonny Gray and Shota Imanaga as your top two starters going into next season, with Michaelis as your three and Matt's as your number four. Then they add Seth Lugo, a really good starter, reliever, swingman type of option. He was a starter last season, had a great season. And you get him on a two-year deal worth $25 million, about $12 million per year. So you're adding a lot of depth to your rotation here. You don't have a real legitimate number one guy, but you've got some decent depth here that you've added. Then you continue with the theme of going overseas. You add Yuki Matsui, who is the top reliever that is coming over from uh, Asia this offseason. Cardinals sign him two years, $15 million, and then they do what I've done in every single one of these options because they have to do this. Uh, They're trading Tyler O'Neill for a mid-tier reliever. (laughs) So you added Sonny Gray. You had Shota Imanaga. Seth Lugo, Yuki Matsui, and another mid-tier reliever. So you got your three starters. You got your two relievers. You got one of those starters as a swingman who can kind of go back and forth depending on what you need. How would you guys grade that offseason? You can always go over to Twitter, at BK Sports Talk. You can put the grade in right now. But for Alex, what would you give that
3: offseason as a grade? Well, you shoot uh, your shot and got an A. Really? Yeah, because I love this offseason. They, like, they don't have a number one. I get it, but I, I like this one the best because – even though you didn't get a number one, and even though you didn't get um, that guy that you're worried to go up against, Sonny Gray is still a really good pitcher. He's probably the best that realistically you can acquire to not trade Nolan Gorman. But you also got somebody who's got some upside here in Imanaga, and you got that depth piece with Seth Lugo. And in my opinion, I think you got a really good bullpen piece with Matsui. I can could, could I add one in here? No. Can I
1: this trade you, Carlson for
0: Manoa?
3: Uh, I mean, because that no. would. No, I'm
0: not I'm saying I'm, I'm putting my foot down. No, you this is the Seth
1: Lugo. You don't need Manoa. I yet. do need Manoa because then I got to hope
0: that he becomes great and then there's my ace. I kind of like the the idea there, but no, I'm I'm putting my foot down and saying this is what they do. The Cardinals aren't going to make that many moves. Let's be honest.
3: Why? You, instead of trading Tyler O'Neill for nothing, you trade Dylan Carlson for what Manoa. Do you mean why? Because they're going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Does Mo have bit better things to do with this time than upgrade his team? I, I. Yes. I was talking to somebody the other
0: day about what the Cardinals could do this offseason. And we put out like this full list of like seven different things that they would do. Right. Like three trades, four signings. This is going to be the. They're like, they're never going to make that many moves. Why? Because it's Mo. Like he just. He doesn't make a quantity
3: of moves that is that
0: great.
1: He's but, the typical. Especially flash. when it comes to trade. But that's
3: not making like a quantity of moves. You're making four signings in one trade. I'm. I am with you. I think that you
0: you should be able to do a lot of moves this offseason because that is what is necessary. That is what is needed, given what you just went through this past season. But they're not going to, so let's focus on this.
1: You know
3: what? C, then. It's your damn
1: tone. F. F for this stupid offseason. I'm not impressed with this offseason. I'm actually shocked you gave it an A. I I would give this a D. This is a terrible offseason. It's actually the most likely they're going to do, too, probably. I mean, you bring in Gray, which I like, but again, he's not a number one. He does not strike fear into you. You've got Imanaga, who to me would probably be right there with Michaelis as your three. Uh, and then you've got Lugo, which I guess helps in that number five spot, but we've talked about how much does number five starter truly matter. I don't know what to think of Matsui as a bolt pin arm, and then I don't know about this reliever you're getting for Tyler O'Neill. Like, this rotation, the way I picture this with Gray, Imanaga, Michaelis, Mats, and uh, Seth Lugo, that's like an 82-84 to 84 win team. That, oh, I that, disagree with that. I think that's where you are. No. I mean, that's not a rotation that's that strikes a, no. fear to anybody. That that rotation comes to town, and I go, yeah, we could beat that.
0: This rotation gets you to 90-plus wins yeah. in the regular season, and then it has nobody that strikes fear of you yeah. in the postseason. and
1: that's fine. That, See, I, I don't think it gets you to 90-plus wins because I don't think that's good. The Central Division is going dude, to be better if, than we expect.
0: If, if we want to, we can go through some of the rotations across the Major League Baseball that won this year. Like, A lot of them were not particularly good. I also think you're underestimating like, Sonny Gray's a
3: good Major League starting pitcher. And, you know, yeah, said He's he good. likes Imanaga just as much as he likes yeah. Yamamoto.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think this rotation would be good enough. I think you could probably get into the playoffs, but I don't think you're winning the Central. I, I think the Cubs probably oh, won see, the I Central think, with their spending. I think Seth you could Lugo win.
0: last year had a 3.5 ERA. If you just plucked that into the Cardinals rotation last year, it would have been the Cardinals' best pitcher.
1: I, I think yeah,
3: that I, wins the, the NL Central. I don't think you do any damage in the postseason with that. Agree. But guess what, guys? This is the route. That's what's going to happen if you choose not to go for the top tier. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I agree. But that's with why that. I gave it an A, because like, hey, you're I mean, you're winning the NL Central. You're doing what the Cardinals wanted to do, right? Just get into the playoffs. That's a that's a rotation that can do that. Really, for you. what we're talking
0: about here is what I think is the single most important question for the Cardinals to answer during the offseason. Can you win at a high level in Major League Baseball now without having a number one? Because what you're saying, T-Bone, is essentially you don't have a number one in this scenario, so you can't win. I don't know that I agree with that. I actually think you can win without a number one starter in Major League Baseball during the regular season. In fact, the Cardinals have been doing that. in the ra- I, I don't think this is all that dissimilar from what the Cardinals had in the rotation two years ago.
3: Like, was their rotation better than this?
0: No, and that's ago?
1: why it reminds me of the rotation from two years ago. But, but I don't team, like that. I didn't think that team was... Yeah,
3: but we acted like that team was going to get something done in the postseason. Yeah, but to your point, do you have season. a
1: number? Do you need a number one? I mean, I'm looking at all these playoff teams. They had a number one. The only team that didn't was arguably the Dodgers, and that's because they fell apart at the end of the year. Right,
3: but I think we're all under the same understanding that this team's not going to have something that makes you dangerous in the postseason. I don't think this is all
0: that dissimilar from what the the Twins had this year. And the Twins ended up being a postseason team. I they think Pablo like Lopez games.
1: became viewed as a number one across baseball. Sure, but he's not all that
0: dissimilar from Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was better than him on his own team this year, ended up I, in the Cy Young conversation when
1: uh, well, Lopez I, was not. I'm going to crush this team on this offseason. This is not a good enough offseason for this Cardinals team. A team that needs three starters, and one of them needs to be a game changer. Well, I you can't have that. If they want to build for just the NL Central, fine. Go do this. They should be building for more. Th- that should be the goal this offseason.
0: I, I agree. I would not. I, I'm actually surprised by how much this is getting a like positive response. Like I'm, I'm actually genuinely shocked by how much people like this offseason. I think this is a very realistic offseason for the Cardinals. In fact, like if I was to put money on which one of the offseasons that we have discussed is most likely for the Cardinals, I think it's this one. Because you're not giving out more than a four-year deal to anybody. You're not giving out more than $66 million to anybody. And you end up with a lot of guys that are like pretty good. Like, I don't think any of these would end up being a bad contract for the Cardinals. I'd be pretty surprised if any of them ended up just being an abject failure for you. I think Sonny Gray is going to be good. I think Shota Imanaga is probably going to be pretty solid. I think Seth Lugo, whoever gets him, is going to be pretty happy with what they get out of him for $12 bucks a year as a swingman. That being said, I, I don't think this helps you in the postseason. And I think what you should be trying to do is not just winning in the regular season, but also setting yourself up for postseason success for the first time in almost a decade. Yeah. And if you end up with this, it, it puts you into a spot as a Cardinals front office member of saying, we are going to trade for a frontline starter at the deadline. And that is not something this team is comfortable doing. Because you think they don't like winning the auctions in the offseason? Oh, buddy. Wait till the auction for that number one yeah. starter that becomes available during the trade deadline. They ain't going to do that that's when you're really going to have to start talking about trading a Tinkins or uh, a Victor Scott or whoever else the top prospect is that emerges for them going into next season. So I I think this would leave them short in terms of being a legitimate contender, but I'm, I'm a little surprised by the number of people that view this as a as a good offseason. I, I think it's very realistic. I, I don't think it's great though.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it does exactly what the Cardinals want to do in terms of keep all of your pieces in place so you can develop that ace internally and bring in a rotation that makes you competitive until one of those guys takes over. That's why I was trying to get Alec Manoa, because then at least you got a guy who could be an ace for you, but you got to hope that you can actually fix what problems he has.
1: Yeah. And for me, the whole reason that I'm so negative about this is to me, I, I still expect the Cubs to spend big. And if the Cubs do make the moves that I think they're going to make this offseason, whether that is landing a starter, re-signing Cody Bellinger, I think they would be favored over you in the NL Central with the, with this rotation. Because I do, I think this rotation would get you through a regular season. I think you could win maybe ninety games if you get bounce back years from Goldie and Arnado, which the Cardinals are clearly planning yep. on. But I still don't know if that would be enough to win over the Chicago Cubs. Like I, I would view the Cubs as it, again, assuming they do the moves that it, it sounds like they're willing to make this offseason. They would be viewed as the favorite. And then you're going back into that NO wild card race, and they're not going to make the move at the deadline for the ace. They, they've never shown an appetite to make that kind of a move at oh, a trade deadline. If you're not line. going
3: to trade for it at the offseason and moving these guys for an ace, you're not going to do it at the deadline. For
0: what it's worth, I,
3: I think this is very similar
0: to what the rotation was for the Rangers that ended up winning the World Series. now I don't.
3: But the difference was they went out and got Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. They they tried.
0: They tried. But the rotation that they had for the vast majority of the season, like if we're looking at the number of starts that the guys uh, made that we're talking about that are like real game changers for them, Max Scherzer made eight starts this year for them after the trade deadline. He was really good, but made eight starts for them and had a 3.2 ERA. I could see Sonny Gray having something similar next year, and I don't think it should be a shock to anybody. Jacob deGrom, six starts for them last year, had a 2.7 ERA. I don't think anybody that you acquired is going to give you that, but it was six starts for them last year. The guys that ended up starting the majority of the games for the Rangers a year ago, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, Nate Evaldi, Martin Perez, Jordan Montgomery. None of those six guys are significantly better than the guys that you would be signing or having in your rotation going into next year. And
1: my and I've said this since the Rangers won the World Series. That would be learning the wrong lessons from the Texas Rangers to where you look at that rotation and go, yeah, look, we just built the same thing. We can go win a World Series. That Rangers team, in my opinion, is going to be viewed, and this isn't taking anything away from them because they got the job done, which is impressive. That team, when we look back on that Rangers team in 2020, I don't know, 30, 2033, we're going to look back at that Rangers team and go, yeah, that was probably the one-off. Everybody else had an ace that led them to the promised land, and the Rangers were led with Evaldi and Montgomery who were twos and threes.
0: I want to be very clear here because we got this text. Guys, BK has his mo pant Pants on today. I, I, I'll make my stance very clear just because I, I've been playing the other side um, because I think it's important to do so when we're having these kinds of conversations to give both sides of it, because I, I th- again, I, I do think this is something that the Cardinals very well may do. I think it's the most likely outcome for the offseason. I've been saying all along. I think Sonny Gray is gonna be their starter, and I think he's gonna probably end up being the best starter that they sign. If we're just being totally realistic about it. I don't think this would be a good a good offseason. And sorry, I, I would give it like a B, but only because like you got the depth that you needed. The next step would then have to be, though, you've got to double down on it. You you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself for the deadline to go get your version of Max Scherzer, to go get your version of um, Jacob DeCrom. And I don't view the Cardinals as a team that's going to go out there and do it. So I think you're going to leave yourself potentially short once again. Um, so that that's where I stand on it but I did want to make sure that we presented the other side because that's what the Cardinals are probably going to try to do. Coming up next, we're getting to our football pick going into the week. T-Bone's got a lot of ground to make up in our football pick challenge. So does Alex, though, because they're both pulling up the rear with me being in the front this time around. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Outside Alex and T Bone on BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN, and it is officially time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for us to get to our football pick 'em of the week. Through two weeks of this week's or this month's pick 'em, I have 11 points. T Bone has eight points. Alex, buddy, you got five points through the first two weeks of this uh, pick 'em Better challenge. than four. You are right where I was at this point in the last couple. It's not a good place to be, let me tell you. It does uh, not I feel better good to be back you. there you will get the first selection for people that are new to this the way that it works we will pick three games from the weekend we don't do props we don't do point totals it's strictly the against the spread number could be college could be nfl no real uh, harm or foul there alex what is your one point
3: game you'll get three games scale of one to three three being the most what is your one point all right play? one point play going to the nfl because it's done so good for me so far this week um, I'm taking Detroit minus 7.5, and, a half, and I, it, it concerns me the 7.5 number because I think Chicago can stay with them offensively, but Justin Fields just coming back after being gone for like four weeks. I think Detroit's rolling right now. I believe that's a home game, so Detroit's going to be able to hold down the fort. I'm going to say Detroit minus 7.5 my one-point play.
1: I like that one. I, I don't think the Bears can keep that thing close.
3: I, I, I would have loved it more if it was 6.5. 7.5 worries me, fair. but I think if you get ahead of them early, you just kind of bring the pain and end the game early.
1: Yeah. Uh, was it one-point yes, play now? Uh, my one-point play, I'm going to stay in the NFL as well, and I'm going to go to the Sunday night football game. And, man, what a stinker it sure is. But... <laughs> I think the Vikings are a better football team than the Denver Broncos. Josh Dobbs is going to find his guy, T.J. Hawkinson. I just looked this up. Justin Jefferson has been practicing, so maybe he can be activated for that game. Um, I, I think Vikings are definitely a better team than, than Denver. I think people are getting a little out over their skis on the Denver Broncos after their win on Monday Night Football uh, against the Josh Allen Bills. So I like Minnesota plus 2.5 against the Denver Broncos.
0: My one-point play. I'm also going with an NFL game. I mentioned this earlier in the day. I'm going with it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are gonna go into Cleveland and beat the crap out of the Cleveland Browns. You're going with Dorian Thompson Robinson again. We're really going through this one and they're going up against this Steelers defense without their offensive tackles. They don't have Nick Chubb to be able to hand the ball to. They have a terrible quarterback starting for them. They have an offensive line that's been decimated by in- by injury. And this defense going to have to score 14 points for them to beat the Steelers this weekend. I don't think the Steelers are this great football team. They've been outgained in every game so far this year and yet and yet they are 6 and 3 on the season. Mike Tomlin is an excellent head coach. The over under on this game is 32 and a half points Ooh. total. For both teams combined, I think the Steelers end up winning, like a seventeen to thirteen type of a game. They're a one and a half point underdog on the road. I think they should be a three point favorite on the road in this one. Give me the Steelers minus or plus the one and a half.
3: Well, points. I hate agreeing with BK, but that's my three point play. Um, I'm very confident in this one. Plus, Pat Fryermuth is coming off of the injured reserve to play on Sunday. That's a massive weapon for Kenny Pickett. The running game's been great. I'm just. I'm done with Cleveland, and I that one-and-a-half-point underdog is just amazing to me. So that's my three-point play.
1: I just trust neither one of those teams to where I could hear the argument for either side to win that football game. And, hey, we just talked about Joe Flacco. Apparently he's visiting with the Cleveland Browns today. Maybe he gets into the game if that's they That's who they went him. with? Not Phillip Rivers. That's who they went with? Well, Philip only wants to show up for the Super Bowl, you know? So Smart. My, my two-point game, I'm going to the college slate. Guys, they're the best team in the country. And Maryland lost to Illinois. That's all you need to know. Give me the Michigan Wolverines, minus 19 at Maryland. They're going to kick the crap out of them. They, I know some people would say it might be a trap game because they got Ohio State the following week. No, this team's been taking care of business all season long. Give me Michigan, minus 19 on the road at Maryland.
0: I've been going back and forth between two different games because I've I've wondered, should I go with it? Should I go with it? Should I go with it? I am. I'm going to go with it. I think last week broke Tennessee's will. I think the Missouri Tigers broke them.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And oh, now Oh, I, I, thought, I thought you were making a really good joke about Titans, how their loss broke their will, like Will Levis. I was no, like, dude, this is really good. No, no, you were that would have been there. a good
0: one, but no, I'm not going that route. You I'm going cooking. to the college side of things. Yes, Georgia's going on the road. Yes, this is going to be in Knoxville. And yes, I think the Georgia Bulldogs are going to beat the ever living hell out of the Tennessee Volunteers. You can throw against this defense. You can't run against them unless you have Cody Schrader in the backfield. I think Georgia's going to win this game like 41 to 20. And the line is only 10 and a half points. Give me the Georgia Bulldogs minus the ten and a half points. They have finally woken up and remembered, oh, yeah, we are the best team in the country. I don't think it's Michigan. I think it's back to being Georgia again. I was skeptical all season long. They showed me something over the last couple of weeks. Give me the Bulldogs. They're going to take down the Vols.
1: Well, this is my—that's my that's my three-point play. I, I've got Georgia minus the ten and a half at Tennessee. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if they're still the best team in the country, but they're definitely one of the top four, and Tennessee – Joe Milton, they're going to get behind early, and as we've talked about, Joe Milton couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, so I, I don't think Tennessee's got a shot. I know is going on the road. That hasn't really scared them. Ever since their scare early on with, who was it, South Carolina, they've really just kind of turned it to another gear. So I I like them minus 10.5 at Tennessee as well.
3: Well, guys, this might surprise you. I'm going to the college football slate for my two-point play. (laughs) I know. What? I don't do it. I don't do it. But I think we got to break the
1: schneid. You're going to take Illinois, aren't you? I'm
3: taking the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, baby. I'm taking a minus 10 and a half. I love it. Florida's trash. Mizzou's on a roll right now. I like it. Home game. I've got 11. Is that okay? Do you see it at 10 and a half somewhere? If you could find it at 10 and a half, I will give yeah, it to I you. I looked at it at 10 and a half a
0: segment ago. I saw it at 11 and a half most places last night. It dropped to 11 double, I want to double check this one. But I, I want to make sure yeah, because, because we've had some issues in the past. with it
3: yells
1: at me. I do like this pick. I almost took this game. I got 10 Florida. and a half
0: on FanDuel. Beautiful. Mizzou minus 10.5. That's it. My two-point play. I actually like
3: that one.
1: I do, too. I do, too. I I almost
3: made it my three-point play, but...
0: I I, almost made "Eh." it my
1: one-point play, but I I don't know what it is. For some reason, BK is... Working with him for three years now just always scares me of a Mizzou letdown somewhere. So I've I've been trying to avoid them all season long. But I
3: looked at it last night, man. Like Florida has, like they've been competitive. They put up a ton of points, but it's like against Arkansas and South Carolina, against the competent teams, they barely put up twenty points. And I think Mizzou's defense has shown the ability to shut down the other side. And I don't think Florida's defense can stop Mizzou.
1: Are they still starting? What's his name? Uh, is it Mertz? Is that his name? Yeah, he's
3: actually been playing better lately.
0: So
1: I can tell you this watching him in the, when he was in the Big Ten. I haven't seen him as much at Florida because who just cares about the Gators this year? He, <laughs> he he is good. All He has one quarter where, like, my gosh, this is the best quarterback I've ever seen play college football. And then the other three you go, uh, now I see why he's so inconsistent. So there's going to be one quarter where merch is going to make this thing interesting. It could be garbage time. It could be right off the bat. It could be somewhere in the middle. But three of those quarters are going to be Here's bad. Here's what
3: I love about this, though. I don't have any matches with t I know I got the one match with you. I have zero matches with t And that's the that's the important thing with this one. All me. right.
0: Final pick for us is my three-point play. Guys, I've been saying it all year long. Bryce Young is atrocious. And now he's going up against one of the best defensive lines in the nfl with the dallas cowboys i took the cowboys minus a huge number last week against the giants and never even had to think twice about it that game was over by the time we got to halftime and i was covering by the time we got to halftime i think it's going to be something incredibly similar this week this is on the road it's at carolina and so you have to lay fewer points and that's part of why i love it ten and a half points for the Cowboys on the road at the Carolina Panthers. I don't know how the Panthers score in this game. I think the Cowboys are gonna be able to do whatever they want to do. I think they're gonna keep going to the air. They're gonna keep feeding it to CeeDee Lamb. Give me the Cowboys minus the 10 and a half points. How about them Cowboys in Carolina this weekend? Our picks for the week god it would be great if carolina kept that close <laughs> <laughs> lions minus seven and a half is one that alex is going to take for his one point play he's got the missouri tigers minus ten and a half at home against the florida gators game that i will be in attendance for please god do not lose this game the steelers plus one and a half on the road at the browns those are his Three plays going into the weekend. t you have the Vikings, correct? That's the yep. side you took on that one. Plus the two and a half points on the road at Denver. He's got Michigan minus 19. He likes the Georgia Bulldogs minus 10 and a half. I also have the Bulldogs minus the 10 and a half points at Tennessee. I've got the Steelers plus one and a half points along with Alex in Cleveland. And I'm going to go with the Cowboys minus the 10 and a half points at the Panthers. Those are our picks going into the weekend. If you want to fade, you want to follow, you can do exactly that. We will be giving you all of the results come Monday morning coming up in about 15 minutes or so we'll be diving into the junk drawer but next the Blues looked terrible last night and we're all kind of going to give them a mulligan they do have to avoid though the pitfall that they fell into a year ago we'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN
2: we're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN
0: Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So the blue stunk last night. There's no way around it. We're broadcasting live from the E&B Granite Studios out at the Cintine Community Ice Center. But you're past it, right? Doesn't bother you. With Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally fine yeah, with it. Yeah. It is what it is. It doesn't bother him. Mulligan. I don't care that they lost last night. And I'm being totally honest about this, guys. They, they won four or, or five of their last six games. They had been playing really well. You get one bad game if it dips into this weekend and they continue playing the way they did against San Jose then i will start being concerned because last night the structure looked bad like everything about that was the head dip moment came it looked like last season and it looked like last season against without question the single worst team in the nhl right now it's inexcusable but it was a trap game of all trap games so now you're going on the road at L.A. and then at Anaheim over the next two nights, Alex, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back. I don't want to hear about a back-to-back situation. I don't want to hear about a backup goalie playing in net Coming on from the guy
3: who complained about the short week for Thursday night yeah. football in the I, I Baltimore. Don't,
0: I don't want to hear about how the time was changing and they were sleeping in these beautiful five-star. I don't want to hear about anything with the travel arrangements. You got your mulligan in San Jose. Now you got to show yourself the best foot forward in these two games against L.A. and Anaheim. And, Alex, one of the main reasons why is because we're all waiting for a sign that this is going to be like last year. We're all sitting back and being like, okay, I'm willing to touch the stove, but if it's hot again, I'm all the way out, right? Mm -hmm. And so yesterday, Doug Armstrong was on a podcast with Frank Saravalli, and Frank Saravalli asked him, hey, when did you know last year that it just wasn't going to be the year for the Blues. Here's what Doug Armstrong had
3: to say. Last year, we were losing games that we should have lost. And there, there's a big difference. We weren't competitive. We didn't do the things that, that gave you hope that, that you were going to get out of it. And we were so streaky. Like we won three, lost eight, won seven, lost five. It was There was too much volatility in our group. And, and we could never find anything that made anyone feel that there was going to be a, a stabling part that could move forward. So we made those decisions.
0: This year, I do think you have some of that stable, st- stabilization. You've got a goaltender that you can rely on. Jordan Bennington, after he got in last night, was great. He was great. Your structure for the most part this year has been something you can rely on going game to game. And with those two things in place, Alex, this team shouldn't be streaky like it was last year. And it hasn't been thus far. But if you lose the next couple of games, that's where you start to wonder, is the slide coming the way that it did a year ago? That's what they absolutely have to avoid. So next couple of days, they got to go out there and look better.
3: Yeah, that's that mental strength. And they didn't have it last year. They didn't have the attitude that could put them back into hockey games. And right now, the one thing we haven't seen from this Blues team is the ability to come from behind. Uh, They've still had zero lead changes in a game yet this season. When they score first, they hold on to it. When they were behind, they're not coming back in that hockey game. So they got to... They got to prove that side of it, but the thing about that loss last night was it was so different from the Vancouver Canucks game. From start to finish, you were outplayed by Vancouver. The Blues actually got back to what they needed to do. The problem was they couldn't figure out what they needed to do to beat the goaltender. So this is a game against the Anaheim Ducks that typically these Blues get up for because it's a competent opponent. That one felt like a trap game, but you're right. If you go into this game against the Anaheim Ducks, like Doug Armstrong talked about there where you become this streaky team where, once again, you start off slow. Once again, you look like you don't know how to play this system. Once again, you've got zero offensive ability. Then, then 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 we're starting to get to the point where we're concerned. But for right now, the mental strength of this team has been significantly different than last year because the Arizona Coyotes, dud, you come out and you dominate the Calgary Flames. The loss against the Winnipeg Jets, look, it wasn't a victory, but you played well in that Colorado Avalanche Four one loss. So the times that you've laid eggs, you've responded with a really dominant performance. If you go out there and destroy the L.A. Kings and then you play Anaheim and you struggle in that one, okay. Well, we're right back to what we were at the, at the start of the season. But if you go lay the egg versus L.A. and then Anaheim, now we're talking about last season.
1: Yeah, and when I look at this team, I, I think they can still avoid those pitfalls because you've got Bennington playing sound in front of you. Now we'll see how the structure ends up rebounding. But I think the biggest thing for me is. They just look bought in, and I, like like last year, even though they were going through that like seven game win streak, eight game losing streak, like it never felt like they were bought in, and they never had chemistry on their lines. And we talked about that. We've talked about that a lot so far this year. Is they now feel like they go okay we know what the first, you know what all four lines are going to be last year at this time it was like okay levo's up there no okay sads going to go back up there like there was all kinds of just shuffling around the the 12 forwards on any given night to try and see if you could get any chemistry going so that's the biggest thing for me and look that could change you know they lose these three games on the road alarm bells will start to sound a little bit for me but i i think the reason that i don't feel that way is I can just – it just looks like there's buy-in on the ice. And I never felt that way about last year's team. Last year it was always like, eh, it just feels kind of like they're playing their game. And Ruby would say post-game where, you know, we're not getting guys to buy in. We're not in in this game. You know, we were never there. We were never competing hard enough. And this year there's been one or two games really, the Sharks and that Canucks game, where it's been like, oh, yeah, they just didn't compete. But that happens over a regular season. You're going to have an off night. And I think that's all that was last night. That is the, it's gotta be how do is. you respond? It, yes, yeah. it, it, that's what it's got to be. There cannot not be any more of those deep valleys that are like seven game losing streaks.
3: Because this is what retool teams do. Retool exactly. teams are still trying to figure out how to be consistent. Rebuilding teams are trying to figure out how to win hockey games. The Blues have proven that they can win hockey games. Now it's the okay, what did we do in this last game that we can continue in this game? Honestly, last night, it probably was the Blues were a little bit too cocky of the way that they've been playing. You come off of a shutout victory against Tampa Bay. You knock off the Colorado Avalanche and put eight up on them. Your power play went two for four in that Avalanche game. You're not taking penalties, and you're sitting thinking, yeah, we're good, and then San Jose was the more aggressive team. I asked Joey that yesterday. Remember, the Blues have... And I don't want to make it as an excuse, but the Blues have had the luxury of other teams looking at them on the schedule the way that the Blues just looked at the Sharks of, this is going to be an easy win for us. The Blues don't know who they are right now. And now I think teams are looking at the Blues as, this is going to be tough because they're physical, their defensive structure does not allow a lot of high danger chances, and their goaltending's been hot. All of those were broken because of a harder Work ethic in the performance on ice by the Sharks. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line. Last
0: thing on this before we get to the juncture on the other side, guys. How many games will it take before we quit relating this team to last year? Like Braden Shin said, we should. Well, Braden Shin said that because he doesn't want to talk about it anymore, and yeah. I don't blame him for not wanting to talk about it anymore. And when it comes to asking the players these questions, I I'm not really, frankly, particularly interested in hearing their answers about it. But on the outside looking in. We are going to continue talking about last year's team because that is the last team that we saw that had the St. Louis Blues on their chest. So, yeah, we're, I'm going to continue doing it because that's what we have as a comparison point. And the team, while different, the end of last season, it's basically the same roster. Like you made a couple of tweaks, but it's really just like a new backup goalie and Kevin Hayes mm-hmm. and Oscar Sundquist, I guess. Like the, the fourth line is a little different as well. But for the most part, it's the same team. Different structure, different assistant coaches, mostly the same team as it was a year ago. And so when we're thinking about, okay, what does it look like in relation to that and why are they better than that? Yeah, I'm going to keep bringing it up until they prove to us once and for all. And to answer the question directly, probably January 1st. If they prove to us by New Year's that this year is going to be different and that Jordan Bennington is going to sustain this level of performance and the defensive structure is here to stay, then yeah. At that point in time, we will probably stop comparing it to a year ago and we'll start projecting forward as, okay, what is this going to be? What does it mean?
3: If I could be honest, I don't think we're going to stop comparing it to last year until they make the playoffs. I think it carries all all through the season because even in January, we could be talking about this team looking good and up and downs, But we're still going to be wondering when the snowball is going to come because that's what last year presented. You're a retooling team. Um, But to compare the two, I already think it's pretty obvious they're not the same team. I agree. Because we haven't seen a seven-game losing streak. Like there have been moments where T-Bone said it. This is going to be the snowball moment. And they haven't done it yet. Now, does it happen here? If it does, well, then we can get back to saying that, yeah, this might be the same team. But for right now, I think they've already surpassed that moment to be considered last year's team because last year's team was very mentally soft in those types of games.
1: And I'm not even going off of like a winning streak, a losing streak. It it just. It's looks the overall different. play. Yeah. Uh, like look at use the eye test, and that's what people want to use in baseball. So I'm going to use it here for hockey. The defensive structure, the defense has been better. They were going into that game at what like 2.5 goals against. Like that was a goal better than it was a year ago. Uh, offensively, they 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 look worse, but. The biggest change that you needed to see this year was about the defense. That was the whole thing was the defense in Bennington. And Bennington's been awesome when he's been in between the pipes. And the defense is allowing a goal less per game. That's all I need
0: to see. It reminds me a lot of the 2017-18 team so far with what we've seen. And that was Mike Yeo's first full season as the head coach here in St. Louis. And that year, uh, if you remember, the Blues had really good goal suppression, struggled a little bit to, to get the goal scoring going. And ended the season just a little bit outside of the playoffs. Finished the year with like ninety, I think it was like ninety-four wins or ninety-four points, something like that. Um, I think it, it it reminds me a little bit of that season. So yeah. it, I, I think it's much more that than it is what we saw a year ago. Yeah. Um, so I, that's that's where I place them currently. All right, coming up next, it's time for the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario
0: brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best Trust wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out seven days a week. Outside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It is time for the junk drawer. And Alex, yesterday, I went to Starbucks before our show, and I've got a question for you. Why is it that people go crazy, and I mean crazy, over the new flavors that are brought out by Starbucks? The chestnut praline was debuted yesterday. It's a chestnut-flavored drink? So, I order online, right, because... I'm not a crazy person who walks in and attempts to get their starbucks coffee in line where it's going to take you 30 minutes you don't like waiting an hour for coffee so i ordered 15 minutes ahead of arriving that's typically enough time alex yesterday i got there and it took another 15 minutes of waiting while i was there and listen i'm i'm not complaining it is what it is like i gotta wait 15 minutes for coffee whatever but i walked up there and i was like hey you know i've got a to-go order for brandon they said well it's the busiest day of the year for us It's going to probably take another 15 minutes because of the new flavors being added to the menu
1: today. What
0: am I missing here? Are you one of these crazy people, Taylor? absolutely. That's going there day one for the chestnut bralene latte. No, I'm typically the guy
1: that walks in and goes, oh, hey, they got something new today. (laughs) That's more of me. I'm more of the, like, shocked when I walked in and see that it's the Christmas drinks. But no, I I don't go really crazy over the. I'll, I'll get them every the now and then.
3: Cups, that's what people want. Wow. Oh, that is yeah. true. I don't know that like, I don't understand. And it's not even like a collector thing. Is it Aren't an Instagram th- thing? Like you got to get oh, it posted yeah. on Insta for today? I'm sure. But, I mean, it's the social media trend where it's like, oh look, I got my first Christmas coffee from Starbucks. Look, they got the cups available. Duckface. <laughs> I don't will understand. Will, will you please thing? do? Will you please, know, <laughs> will you
1: please? Will you please post something like that on your social media? Yeah, why not?
3: Here's here's me. And I'm a psychopath.
1: It was Red
0: Cup Day.
3: Well, I have what? Red. what? You could have Red Cup Day at home. Just yeah. grab a Red Solo Cup, pour coffee in and
1: say, let's that was, go. That was red Thursdays cup Day. in
0: college. I mean, listen, I am clearly not the target audience for these kinds of promos. So yeah, You're I, I not a big it, social media guy. <laughs> you're not a
3: big Red Cup guy. When I drive up to a place like if I – because I – I don't like going to get coffee anymore because when I need coffee, I don't want to wait. I just make sure. it at home. It's easier. But when I need it, if I drive up to a spot, which typically is Dunkin' Donuts because it's just amazing, but if there's a line, I just drive past it. I'll keep going until I find a coffee place that I can pull up, pull in, and leave. If I if I pull up and there's people crowded around waiting for it, I don't care that it's chestnut-flavored or Red Cup Day. I'm leaving.
1: Yeah, I... Uh... Like, I do like some of the drinks that they make, but, like, I'm never paying so close attention that I go, oh, wow, they're just releasing the peppermint mocha. I've definitely got to get in line for it today. I, I'm truly the guy that goes, man, I feel like I want a coffee. And I typically will get it after work sometimes when I'm coming in. Sure. Um, but I, I'll go in, I'll go... All right, I'm just going to get my normal, I'm just going to get, you know, a Pike's place to go. And then I see they've got the peppermint mocha, and then I fall for it, and I get it. But I'm not the guy that is, like, I have to, like, schedule this in no. my phone. 7 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to go get a peppermint mocha from Starbucks. Duck face! <laughs> Duck face. Alongside
0: Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Hey, there's a pitcher that might be on the move. From the New York area. In fact, Jordan Montgomery? Them, that might be on the move from the New York area. Well, it was in the New York area. One of them just won the Cy Young. We'll explain it next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: On, Alex and Tivo, and I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So you guys ready to trade for Garrett Cole? Oh, I'm in. You guys want to do it? Why Why would
3: he be available? He's an
0: ace. According to Paul Himbo, who is a content producer for the Greeny Show up in New York. So
3: this is like Tanner having hot takes. He explains today on ESPN New York. Why
0: the Yankees should trade Garrett Cole this offseason. Now, he went on like a four-minute rant as to why this makes sense, and none of it made any sense. Oh, yeah,
3: this is Tanner.
0: To distill his (laughs) explanation as plainly as possible, the Yankees are bad, they're old, they need to get young talent, and he's got an opt-out after the season. That's essentially why he thinks that they should trade Garrett Cole, and he believes they should go into a full-blown rebuild. Now... I'd genuinely be shocked if they even considered doing something as asinine and stupid as trading the reigning Cy Young Award winner, who is very clearly at this point in his career, the single best pitcher in Major League Baseball. However, if they go brain dead this offseason and Brian Cashman goes full scorched earth and says, I'm going to make my team as bad as humanly possible and get myself fired and trade Garrett Cole. Do you think the Cardinals would consider it?
1: No, no. no. Okay.
3: Too much money. Yeah, I was going to say there's too much money, too many years
1: committed so, to it. too
3: talented. Yeah. Hold on though. And he's old. Yeah. You don't want an old pitcher who's
0: locked up. What do we think Aaron Nola is going to get this offseason? 30 million bucks, okay. 6 years, seven. 200 and,
1: six, No, 180. 7 by 210 or 6 by 180 Roughly
0: probably. $30 million dollars a year? Yeah, probably. Garrett Cole's making 36. Garrett Cole is way better out than Aaron Noah, Yeah, but look at how many years he's got committed to him. I mean, technically just one.
3: He's probably going to opt out of his deal. I actually do agree with that Well, then why would you trade was. for a guy who's going to opt out of his deal? That doesn't make sense for the Cardinals. You get a year. Well, what, what's, a, what's a year going to do? I mean, it gives you the best pitcher in baseball for a oh, year. Oh, really? What's the best pitcher in baseball done for the Yankees?
0: You could either trade for Winness Garrett Cole or... Trade for twenty five
3: million dollars of Tyler Glass. I would rather have Sonny Gray and Imanaga on my team. Fair with Lugo. <laughs> I'd rather shoot my Shota. Now, he
0: also <laughs> has a full no trade clause, by the way, so that oh, also complicates. I... It. Oh wow,
1: St. Louis
3: isn't
0: the destination. He could grow his yet. hair back out. What What do you think it would take? Could like if if they made him available, do you think it would be just a massive haul in return for the Yankees? If you if we I'm assuming the next team would assume that they have a one year of control because he,
3: he's going to opt out of this deal. And I don't think he's going to re-sign before he hits free well, agency. Yeah, if you're the Yankees, though, you're, you're going to go into this full-blown rebuild. You're getting basically the entire farm system of the team you're trading them to. And I get it, it's one year, but somebody who desperately wants them. Remember what Juan Soto, and Soto had two years attached to it, but you still had the control that was a part of it. You're going to go more than what... The wa- or San Diego had to give up to get a Juan Soto, and you I mean, mean that was their farm system. Yeah, I mean it's a dude. Who, I mean it's a they dude. Two and s- a half
0: years of Juan Soto, though.
3: Yeah. I, I mean I understand that, but it's one year of a Cy Young. I I don't know that it's going to be as significant of a return as we expect.
1: You know why? Because it's, it's not, not going to happen. Well, I'm <laughs> well, totally with you. <laughs> yeah.
0: But like, I, I think the the return for guys, and this is why I think it's going to cost less than people are anticipating for Tyler Glass now. The return for guys on one-year deals, just it's not what it once was. Um, but anyways, we don't have to spend any more time on that <laughs> because it's not happening and it's just an absolutely insane idea. But I did want to talk about the Cardinals and trades in general because yesterday when we brought up the hypothetical offseason, choose your own adventure – Of the Cardinals trading for Dylan Cease, which I do think is a real possibility. By the way, the White Sox general manager, Chris Getz, is coming out seemingly
3: every day and talking about how much he hates his baseball team. No, Eloy Jimenez isn't available now. You want to try that again? Eloy Jimenez. Jimenez, isn't it? Um, It's the same thing. (laughs) Jimenez, Jimenez, I pronounced it the exact same. Just shut up. Fair. Uh, He basically is telling
0: everybody who will listen, we want to trade everybody. This team's terrible. We hate all of these players. Look
3: get Luis Robert I I think he might
0: actually be available. He might be
3: available. You'd get a
0: Um, I suggested that the Cardinals – not suggested. Part of the hypothetical scenario was the Cardinals trade Nolan Gorman and Tinkins for Dylan Cease. Now, that's a lot. I understand that, and I think it's going to cost a lot to get two years of Dylan Cease, who's a former Cy Young candidate and is one of the better young pitchers in the sport. So you're going to have to pay a lot because everybody's going to want that guy. Guys, I think part of what's holding Cardinals fans back from committing to a deal like that, from being willing to make a deal like that, is the ghost of trade's past. And really the one that immediately comes to mind, I would assume for a lot of fans is, oh my god, remember what they did for Marcelo Zuna? They traded Sandy Alcantara and Zach Allen, and both of those guys went on to be
3: Cy Young Award winners elsewhere.
1: Worth it. We got the clip of the century of him climbing the wall that and the ball landing true. 30 feet in front I of him. That
3: man did the biggest climb for a ball that was nowhere near him.
1: <laughs> I will defend
0: the Cardinals until the end of time for making that trade. Now, it could not have gone any worse. Marcelo Zuna wasn't the player that the Cardinals expected him to be. The defense stunk. His arm, he basically didn't have a shoulder. And the offense was just like, fine. It was just okay, slightly above average. It was not what the Cardinals were anticipating. And when you add all of that up with the off-field stuff where he just wasn't the guy that they were expecting him to be either, it clearly didn't work here in St. Louis. I think it's fair to say. What if it did, though? What if in a scenario where they made that exact same deal, Marcelo Zuno was like 20% above league average offensively. He was hitting 35 home runs and 100 RBIs a year and had like an 805 OPS. By the way, that's what Marcelo Zuna has been since the trade, but most of that success has come with Atlanta, unfortunately, for the Cardinals. If that was the guy that the Cardinals traded for and they re signed him and they kept him here long term and he was a part of the long term build here in St. Louis, would we view that trade differently, Alex?
3: I don't think so because your pitching would still be in shambles and you're still trying to recreate that. Like you've got an offense even without Marcelo Zuna but you've been left to figure out the biggest weakness. Like if we were talking about them having Jack Flaherty pitching like at least an ace and you've got a couple of other guys who would make it at least compatible and we're only talking about filling one spot and Marcel was doing that, then yeah, I think you'd be sitting there saying who cares what those guys were because you've gotten this out of Ozuna. But if you would have gotten that out of Ozuna and still been sitting here acting like, well, they need three starting pitchers that's what you traded away for to get a guy that you already have as kind of a strength.
1: Yeah. I, I still don't know if it would be viewed as much of a success if he stayed here long-term and had those numbers that you talked about, because one, I, I don't know how those numbers would comp to say trading a Cy Young winner in Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gown, who was a stud in the playoffs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I, I think it would be viewed as, at best, maybe a wash. But even then, I don't know if it would be because Cardinals fans would just see Cy Young and go, oh, well, yeah, you clearly lost the trade. You gave up a Cy Young pitcher, and you need the pitchers to Alex's point still in this scenario that plays out. So I I think there would be less, less criticism and less of kind of a, the gun-shy mentality from both the Cardinals front office and from the fan base yeah. as a whole if that deal ends up working out and he's here for the long term. But I still think it would come with a lot of kind of cautious tale of, man, you traded away a Cy Young winner and a guy that could potentially win a Cy Young in this future. And I think it would still be viewed as kind of a lost trade, just not as bad of a loss. That's
3: the hard part. If one of those guys was a guy as a Cy Young candidate and he performed that way, you can understand it. But that's two guys that you traded away that could be Cy Young winners.
0: The reason why I wanted to bring this up today is because I, I think this is... If Dylan Cease ends up coming here and has success, like if he is the guy that the White Sox knew him to be a year ago instead of what he was in 2023 and you trade Nolan Gorman who goes on to be the player that a lot of Cardinals fans think he's going to be 35 home runs 240 hitter but a lot of power from the left side and Tinkins ends up going on to be not a number one starter but like a, a really solid number two guy a guy that throws 160 innings a year with like a 3.5 ERA really nice pitcher that you would love to have in your rotation I think it's worth it because like you got to give something significant to to get what you're looking for right now. And the Cardinals are now with pitching where they were at that point with their cleanup hitter. The Cardinals were completely desperate to find somebody that could come in and hit 35 bombs. And they found it, they thought, with Marcelo Zuna. And it failed, it failed spectacularly. But at least they were willing to try, man. My frustration with the Cardinals lately is they aren't even seemingly trying to go get the guy that we all want them to get. And sometimes what it looks like when you try is the Marcelo Zuna trade and it fails and it blows up in your face and you say, man, we messed that one up. But at least we tried right now. Their biggest issue is last year. They didn't even try to fix the rotation this year. What a lot of fans are worried about is they're not going to try to fix the rotation again. And so if they end up getting priced out of the top end of the market, what do you got to do? Well, you got to have a plan B and plan B might be desperation mode. Where you go to the White Sox or you go to the Mariners and say, all right, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for us to get Logan Gilbert? What's it going to take for us to get Dylan Cease? And what they're going to tell you is, well, we know you have no other option. Your option is either coming to us or sucking with your number one starter again this year. We
3: choose sucking. Being in
0: the mode that (laughs) T-Bone was in. With our last segment where we were talking about today's version of Choose Your Own Adventure, where your number one option in your rotation going into the season is Sonny Gray. That's the alternative. And if that's what's presented to them, I think this is the route that they end up going, is saying we got to do it. we got to bite the bullet and make the trade that we made for Marcelo Zuna, but on the pitching side, and we understand that it could come back to bite us, but it is a move that like, if we don't make it, the alternative is even worse because our fan base is going to throw it back in our face, justifiably so, the way that you were talking about earlier, T-Bone, and say, we didn't do enough.
3: Yeah, but We've got spin, to try to do enough. They'll spin it as, but then there's envelope number three to where we kick the can yeah. down the road to one more year and look at the free agent market next year.
1: And, and, like, it's a very tough spot. So if you go the route and you do make the trade and you, you bite the bullet and then it does fail, like, it's tough. for. I can't be critical of them because they changed their mindset. The whole the whole John Mosellock tenure has felt like it has, whether you want to point out the Rosarena trade or the Ozuna trade, has suddenly just become like completely a 180 of how the front office operates ever since that one mistake. To where now it feels like they're like, okay, well, we failed at free agent signings. We failed at this one trade. We got to avoid doing both of those. And now you're playing. Ba- you're operating a baseball team with one hand tied behind your back. But he used to do that. I mean, they lost the sudden passing of Oscar Tavares. What did they do? They did a big swing for Jason Hayward, and they only had him for a year. They weren't even able to lock him up. And then he walks away in free agency to your rival Chicago Cubs. Like, they were willing to make that move. Um, now they haven't been able to make that move. They haven't been willing to make that move. I will be much more critical of the Cardinals if they decide to go, yeah, sure, we're going to spend these $50, $55 million, but we're going to throw numbers at the problem for our number one than I am to be like, okay, look, you made the big trade. You made the big swing that we've been calling for. You got Dylan Cease, who I think has got incredible stuff, and it just didn't work out. I, I'm not going to be as critical of them that way if as I would be if they go the route of let's just throw numbers at her, number one.
0: Somebody on the text line said, but guys, you don't give up big-time young hitters who are expected to hit 30 bombs in a season for a pitcher. Maybe not, but you also probably shouldn't give up big-time young hitters who hit 315 with a 30% above league average OPS the year prior, and that's exactly what Minnesota did in order to get Pablo Lopez. You think they regret it? Nope. I don't. Yep. I think they feel great about that trade right now yep. in Minnesota because they have a guy that they can trust. T-Bone called him earlier today, said that's the number one starter for them, even despite the fact – and I, I think it's a fair thing to say because Pablo Lopez was awesome. Look at what he did in the postseason, man. Um, that is a lot to give up for Pablo Lopez. They give up Luis Arise, who this year hit three fifty five for Miami, man. But once again – Was a silver slugger, all-star, led the league in batting average, and it was worth it for them. That is what you have to be willing to do to make these kinds of trades, is give up something that hurts. It hurts a lot. For them, it was Luis Arise. For the Cardinals, it might end up being Nolan Gorman. And I know everybody wants to put Nolan Arnauto in these deals instead of Nolan Gorman. Guess what? He's not accepting a deal to Chicago. He's not accepting a deal to Seattle. He has a no-trade clause. So write it off. It's not happening. I know everybody wants to put Brendan Donovan in these trades. Guess what? These teams aren't going to value him the way that they do Nolan Gorman for the same reason that you don't value him the way that you value Nolan Gorman. You want to put Tommy Edmond in there. Guess what? Two years of control, $11 million already. Like, he ain't going to be the guy either. So here's what you can do. You can either try to go out and get that number one starter via free agency and pay him $30 million a year. Or we can talk about the trade route and we can discuss whether or not it's worth it to give up a Nolan Gorman. That's probably what the discussion's gonna have to be with John Luck this offseason. I don't know what they're gonna do. They might end up saying, screw both of those. We're going Sonny Gray as our number one starter. And then Tanner's gonna come on here and crush him. Coming up next, Mazoo Basketball gave you reasons for both hope and concern last night. We'll discuss it here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And the backward crossover, six seconds to play. Middle of four, four seconds to play. 17-quarter for the tie. Misses. Rebound off the rim. Mitchell throws it up. Missed it. And Missouri comes back from 20 down to win by two. 70 to 68 in its first road trip of the season. What a miraculous comeback by Dennis Gates and his Missouri Tigers. The final inside the stunned barn in Minneapolis. Missouri
0: 70, Minnesota 68. That audio courtesy of the Mizzou Radio Network on Twitter last night. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. We're broadcasting live from the e Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center. Alex, Missouri found a way to win last night. And I'm going to focus on the positive for a second because T-Bone has plenty of the negative And frankly, there's plenty of negative to get to. This win yesterday... Being down by 20 with 11 minutes to go, according to ESPN Stats and Info, they had a 99% chance to lose that game with 11 minutes remaining in the second half. For them to be able to come back in a game like that where they were a shell of themselves for 30 minutes, man, I think it speaks highly of what Dennis Gates has brought to this program. I never feel like Mizzou's out of games. This was the case last year. It remains the case this year. And last year, a similar game to this ended up really jump-starting the program. It was the game against UCF where they ended up winning on that uh, heave-ho at the the, the, the end of the game. I think it was DeAndre Golston who ended up making that one. And from then on, it was like, okay, this team has some kind of sense of invincibility around it. And even when they would get late into games and it was close or they were down, I just always kind of assumed they would find a way to come back and win. Now, obviously, that didn't happen in every game. But for the most part, they were competitive last season and they found ways to get things done. That's what happened last night against Minnesota. Alex, as you saw the final score, you saw what happened. I know you weren't able to watch. You had a lot of good stuff going on for you in another game that you <laughs> were did. watching. I saw the first California. half, though,
3: because you know I was waiting for puck drop. What was your impression of that game from Mizzou last night? I mean, the first half was very concerning because they couldn't hit the barn with their shots. That was bad. Meanwhile, Minnesota was dropping everything from three-point range, but everything evened itself out because Minnesota, Minnesota started to go cold and Mizzou started to heat up in the second half. Really, the difference for me in that game was the ability to rebound the ball. Like, Mizzou really struggled in just obtaining rebounds. And some of that size. Some of that's just the way that they were playing in this one. I'm with you, though. Like, as bad as a game as it was – you're not out of games. That's the biggest thing right now. And we saw that last year with Dennis Gates. Now, they had certain guys that you went to, mainly Brown, where you're like, oh, yeah, we could stay in this game because we've got a game changer. I'm not sure you have that right now. But if anything, you've got a head coach who can adjust in a roster that that believes in the adjustment and can stay in basketball games. Mizzou is very evidently, though, going to go as far as their shooting percentage from outside the three can take them. So... That's the positive. They won
0: last night. They are now three and one on the season. They find a way to steal that one. That's and that's what they did. They stole that one on the road at Minnesota. T Bone, you are choosing to focus more on the negative side of things from last night. Of course he is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As probably should be, because that Minnesota team sucks. <laughs> and Mizzou was down 20 at one point. Look, I'll give them their roses. That's a great game to come back in and survive, essentially. and That's what they were doing, survive in advance to get past that game and get the win in the win category. But, man, I watched that Mizzou team last night, and I just it feels like it felt clunky offensively, defensively. It didn't look great, and they weren't a great defensive team last year by any means, but last night was bad early on where it was the – The press was being broken super easily, then at least to open three-pointers that Minnesota was making. I I don't know. I watched that team last night, and I was like, man, I think this team is going to have some struggles once they get to SEC play. I'm not saying they're not going to be a tournament team. I'm not willing to jump aboard the fully panic bus. But, man, I didn't see anybody that I'm like, man, this guy's a game-breaker this year. Kobe Brown was a game-breaker last year. It's where you put the ball in his hands and say, big fella, go make something happen. And he would do it. I, I think maybe East can be that guy, but 4 of 12 last night, too inconsistent for them. Honor was good with 16 points. And, by the way, I think BK mentioned this. I don't know if you mentioned this in just the group text or you mentioned this on air. They've got to cut down this rotation. They've got to start doing it. Yeah. They ran 13 players out there yeah. last night. It Minnesota ran crazy. 9. It is time to start cutting down this rotation. Figure out who can play and who you like. And then go with it because right now it is just too many guys getting too much playing time, and you've got to start cutting that down. You've got three games to
0: do it because your next three games are against Jackson State, South Carolina State, and Loyola Maryland. So the next three games you'll, you'll win by a wide margin, and if you don't, something horrible has happened. These are the three teams that are ranked in the bottom fifty in the country. Like they're they're horrendous basketball teams. After that, you got Pittsburgh, Wichita State, KU, Seton Hall, Illinois and then you're into the conference play. Like You got real games coming up. This schedule is not what it was a year ago where it's a bunch of patty cake games. These are real, legit, either power five opponents that you're going up against or like the mid-major programs that matter that could see themselves in March. You have to start cutting this down very soon. And what I find interesting, T-Bone, is they brought in a bunch of dudes via the transfer portal this year that all think they're going to play significant roles for Mizzou. I think some of their young guys look better than the guys that they were able to get via the transfer portal last night was connor Vanover's first game this is the seven foot five guy that you were talking about alex dude's a beast he he's not though he looked really bad in the first half and then didn't play a single minute in the second half it was his first game back after the three game suspension so maybe things will get better for him okay let me rephrase he looks like a beast caleb brown's a good story man his brother was such a great player for mizzou he can't play he could not see the court for mizzou anymore this year and it Frankly, he should probably transfer, but if he's going to just have a scholarship there because his brother was great, fine. No no problem. It is what it is. But you've got to start deciding, okay, who are we building around for this year? I love what I've seen so far this season from some of the young guys, most notably a, a guy like uh, Kurt Lewis, who we saw last night. Jordan Butler has looked really good. I have loved what we've seen from Ant Robinson, freshman point guard that they've got, defends like crazy. I think he's going to be a pretty good offensive player, too. Build around them. Tamar Bates should get more minutes than what he's getting so far. He's been great this year early on. Those are the guys that I would like to see a little bit more of and then cut some of the minutes for some of these other guys. Instead of going with a 13-man rotation, Get
1: it down to like nine
0: right now. Yep. you'll eventually get it down to like seven probably. Right now, if you're at nine or ten, that that's probably and, where you want to. And
1: be. I'm not going to crush them for this, because a lot of teams are still trying to figure out their identity. But they don't they don't look like they know what each guy should be willing it, should it be and is capable of doing right now. Like who's the guy that's the slasher that's going to get into the paint? I think that's East. Yep. But I'm not 100 percent certain of that. Who's going to be the guy that's going to be kind of that spot up three point shooter that Hey, we need a bucket from deep. It's supposed who's to be that Caleb guy?
0: Grill, but he hasn't been making his three so far.
1: Exactly. Like they and again, it is early. Like I'm not going to hit like the absolute panic button, but there are some concerning trends with Absolutely. this team that make me go, okay, I don't know if they're as good as they were last year. And, it, and that might be expected because you did lose Kobe Brown.
0: And by the end of, I mean, basically mid-December, before we get to that bragging rights game, we're going to know who this Mizzou team is. We're going to have a pretty good idea. Pittsburgh, Wichita State, Kansas, Seton Hall. Oh, those, Kansas. those four games will one. give you a pretty clear indicator of, of just how far you are away from being... Any kind of legitimate contender, the Kansas game, they're gonna. It's KU, so may, maybe, maybe because it's the the um, the nah. border war, we'll see something closer than what I'm currently expecting. KU's amazing, dude. That that team is really freaking good. They they just did really well against Kentucky, so I'm not expecting a ton in that one. But um, if you wanted to take the positive from last night's game, it was them showing the fight. If you want to take the negative. It's almost everything else. All right, coming up next, <laughs> 314-3999-646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for one's got to go we offer up the talking points and you get to pick which one's got to go on 101 ESPN
1: count that that big pen.
0: 314 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line for one's got to go you give us four options We'll tell you which one has got to go here on 101 ESPN. Let's start out with this. One's got to go pepperoni, Italian sausage, bacon, or beef. Pizza toppings edition. Alex, pepperoni, Italian sausage,
3: bacon, or beef. Which one's got to go? This is easy. Beef. Put beef on their pizza.
1: I'm with you.
3: It's You're going to get the oil with it? It just... It makes the pizza nastier, which hamburger means, style. Yeah, no, I'm out on that one. That if feels you're gonna like go T-bone pizza, if you're no, gonna no. if you're gonna go hamburger, just go Italian sausage. Exactly. Pepperoni's Agreed. the goat of all of these.
1: Though. Yeah, I, I would get rid of hamburger for sure. I, I think it's a meatball. Doesn't matter. I'm out. Meatball. Oh, yeah, well, puts a
3: meatball on it. Yeah. You're a meatball on a on a pizza. Italian sausage. Don't put yeah. meatball on a pizza. You
0: can put meatball no. on there though. No. It's a Italian no.
3: sausage. Dewey's has one that's really good. Italian sausage. You don't put meatballs on pizza. I'm <laughs>
1: with them. I, get rid of the hamburger. I, I love pepperoni, sausage, bacon, pizza. I, I don't need the hamburger there. You know, not. I don't mind like a hamburger green pepper pizza. That's a big go-to in the Hendrickson family, but I would much rather have the sausage, pepperoni, and uh, bacon.
3: What are we doing with bacon? You what guys you are mean? putting bacon on your pizza? Oh, yeah. yeah. But see, here's the thing. You when? can't put the strip of bacon on pizza. It's got to be yeah. the crumble bacon oh, on yeah. pizza. Yeah. Oh, why? That's true. What do you mean, what do you mean why? why? What are you eating bacon with? pizza with yeah, know, sausage and pepperoni what else are you putting on there all me oh no what i do is i do bacon and onion Ew. bacon and onion or bacon and green pepper Throw is another really good one on there too. Mm. no you don't put jalapeno on the damn thing either
1: Three one four three nine 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 six
3: four six 9646 is the air comfort
0: service text line for one's got to go one's got to go fall chores edition all of them raking leaves cleaning out the gutter putting up christmas decorations or airing up your tires
1: that one's not that's hard at all. a fall
0: chore. Yeah. yeah, when the weather gets cold. Yeah, well, Absolutely. When that be a winter yeah. thing? And it, it happened recently. I had to go pump up my tires. Did you? Yeah.
3: Okay. And, yeah, this, and my wife's why? tires. I had to do both. Oh Well, look at you being chivalrous. Congrats, buddy. Thanks, guys. Uh, this one's easy. Figured out how to do it and everything. It's raking leaves. I just had to do this. The worst. In my backyard. And so my there's too many of them, and I know you live this life too, BK. There's way too many of them to bag or mulch. So what I do is I just leaf blow them all the way to the back of my yard, and then I say in the springtime, I'll take care of them and just rake them over the fence.
0: Yeah, I think. i decided this year I'm waiting until all the leaves are down. I said, well, that'll never happen. No, no, yeah, that's the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it. Last year I made a terrible mistake. Yeah, you can't do it every week. I did it at the beginning of the season when yeah. my leaves fell because my trees are the first ones to drop all their leaves. So I was like, okay, I'm good. Decided to rake up all of the leaves. My my lawn looked immaculate. Green Envy came out. They made sure to make it all look good as well. We got all the seed in for the early seeding. We're good, right? And then, boom, next day. Like, literally the next day. I, I might as well have not even raked any leaves because they're blowing over from my neighbor's yard. So yeah, I'm waiting. I'm not doing it until we get further into the the winter, honestly. Yeah. But the the leaves are absolutely yeah. the worst. It's what so was bad.
1: the what was the other one? There was tires, Christmas, cleaning leaves. out gutters. You probably oh, never yeah. done yeah. nice gutters suck well.
3: because I'm, you got to get the ladder and move it around. But yeah. gutters take like 15 minutes. Yeah,
1: it's definitely the least. I hated when my mom would always be like, "You know what we're going to do today?" And I went, uh, "Well, we're going to watch college football." No, we're going to go rake yeah. leaves. <laughs> no no thing. I did the leaf
3: blower I'm, and I just blew it all to the Christmas back of the yard. One
1: Fun, dude. I'm putting my stuff up this weekend.
3: No, I've been pushing that one as much as possible. <laughs>
0: 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. One's gotta go. The NHL, MLB, NFL, or
3: NBA. NBA. This stupid in-season tournament that they've been talking about. That that has like turned me off of the NBA more than anything. Give me NBA finals, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say NBA. I don't I love the playoffs. Because the playoffs, they're actually playing defense. They're not doing that at all in the regular season. They they don't play defense in the regular season. They've got the stupid in-season tournament. And they let everybody in the playoffs. Truly everybody. That's where I'm out of oh, it. That's my why gosh. I don't even like the playoffs.
3: Like, oh, Give me the championship game. It's the game. play-in
1: game. The 9 seed who's 5 games below 500, and the 10 seed who's just 12 games below 500, that their fan base doesn't even care about. Just
3: stupid.
0: Guys, I'm sad. Why? It's the NBA because professionally, it's bad for me to say anything else. Um, Well, not NFL, man.
1: Yeah, the city hates that.
0: I'm about to say get rid of the NFL. Joe Burrow's out for the rest of the year. Breaking news from the Cincinnati Bengals. They tweeted it out. Joe Burrow's out for the remainder of the season. you don't like it, stay healthy. He's getting surgery on his wrist. This sucks, man. Torn ligament It's going to require surgery. Jake
3: Browning is the new starting quarterback oh, in Cincinnati. Maybe the Bengals can be bad for the rest of the season and actually draft an offensive lineman you know to protect gonna their quarterback. I, I didn't even think about this. What is the, Where are they at right
0: now? You can take that bed down um, back in the studio, Bradford. We're going to have to stick on this for a minute. Where are the Bengals at right now in the draft order? They are currently selecting five and six, right? They're five and five on the five season. Five.
3: They're currently selecting 18th so as of today. middle of the pack. They'll get to the top ten by the end of the season, and they'll probably draft a wide receiver. They are a game and a half behind the
0: um, Green Bay Packers, who are currently selecting sixth. Yeah,
1: they're they're going gonna... to end
0: up with Marvin Harrison Jr., aren't they? Yeah. Ooh,
1: that yeah. would be fun, though. That's a
0: terrible decision.
1: How much to draft an offensive
0: lineman? This stupid team is going <laughs> to end up picking in the top ten, and they're going to get like. The next coming of one of the best receivers in the NFL, and they're going to let T. Higgins walk or trade him, and they're going to end up with Marvin Harrison
3: Jr. and Jamar Chase as their weapons. And do the same Joe thing Bro. they did with Jamar Chase. Make the wrong decision. Should have drafted an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, clearly. that's You complain about him being injured all the time. Well, maybe if you gave him a good
1: offensive line, he wouldn't be. True. Sucks, man. So we can write off the Bengals. Yeah, I was going to say.
3: So you're really upset because your stupid bet that we told you wasn't going to work? Yeah, Yeah, you did.
1: Did I do this? Dude, no. I told you that the bet was stupid in the first place. We both did. And it wasn't even anything to do with the Bengals. <laughs> and he tried to convince us. He's like,
3: oh, no, it's really going to work, man. Rodgers yeah. is going to come back. The, Ch- the Jets will stay it in this. It a fake Achilles injury,
0: and he was going to come back by the end of the year. So I have the Bengals. God, I hope
3: the Jets actually win that
0: division oh, now. It's going to be Just worst. so Cincinnati <laughs> loses. I'm going to be actively rooting <laughs> against them. So I have the Bengals and the Jets parlayed to win their respective divisions. I did this two two weeks ago uh, prior to the Bengals game against the 49ers at 85 to 1 um odds to be able to win their respective divisions. And obviously that that bet could not be more dead now. God, who that. who benefits the most from this in the AFC? Cuz I think the Bengals were going to make the playoffs. If Joe Burrow was healthy, I think they were still going to get in despite the fact that at 5 and 5 right now they're on the outside looking in. I think they would have eventually got in there.
3: I mean, is it is it the Browns or
0: Steelers to be able to get one of those wild card spots now? I mean, Deshaun Watson's out, right? Wow. For the yeah, rest but, of the year
3: too. Yeah. But again, do you think Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to get them to the playoffs? No, but I think their defense could get them to the playoffs. The same thing that I'm saying the same thing about Pittsburgh. I don't think Kenny Pickett could get them to the playoffs. I think their defense gets them to the playoffs. I mean, there's three. Houston's going to get in now. Yeah, that's well. I think Houston's winning the AFC South.
1: They were one of my three teams that I think could potentially benefit from this one. Houston, because now you don't have Cincinnati Mm -hmm. potentially coming up the rear there and trying to take that last playoff spot. But I think. Cleveland and Pittsburgh are going to fall out of this. But I think it's probably Buffalo and the Chargers. They're probably the two teams that are going to benefit from this most because they don't have to chase down the Bengals because I think the Bengals would have taken one of those spots. Maybe Houston ends up staying in there. Then there's one spot between the Bills and the Chargers still left for the playoffs. And honestly,
3: if Aaron Rodgers comes back fast enough, I guess this does leave the opening for the Jets to get into it. Have you seen the the Bills' remaining schedule, though? I
1: know it's pretty
0: tough. So they've got the Jets this week, which – They should win that game. They're they're a touchdown favorite. I
1: know. They've lost already.
0: At (laughs) Philadelphia. At Kansas City. Home against Dallas. At the Chargers. At the Dolphins. Good luck, man. I I don't know that they're going to be able to make the playoffs. If they had the first half of their schedule in the second half, like the same quality of opponents, I I would totally be with you, T-Bone. But I don't know that they're going to be able to overcome that. I like your call of the Chargers. Green Bay, New England, Denver, Vegas, Denver again. I, I could see the Chargers ending up in the postseason.
1: I, another team that I didn't even think of, Colts, could sneak their way in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there are a team that would do anything in the playoffs once they get there, but Gardner Minshew's better than Dorian Thompson, quarterback in Cleveland, and honestly, Kenny Pickett at this Can I point. I say the
0: other team that, like, you grit your teeth and maybe you could see how they'd get in?
1: Don't say the Raiders. The Broncos. Oh. Oh.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. Dude, somebody bad is going to get into the Well, playoffs,
3: according to sure. Zach Taylor, the season's far from over. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. No,
0: they're, man, they're...
1: another example of why expanding playoffs sucks. Right here. We're looking at it. Right now. Right now we're looking at it. If this I mean, was six teams, man, we'd be fine. We wouldn't even be talking if, about the stupid Broncos.
0: If Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers weren't out for the season, we also wouldn't be having this conversation. If Anthony Richardson nope. was still playing, we oh, wouldn't nope. be having Stay this healthy. conversation. If Jim. nah, if Jimmy Jean was in, the it wouldn't. It wouldn't <laughs> he is G. healthy. Yeah, he is healthy and not helping that team. <laughs> I, the Broncos are a team that could absolutely end up making the postseason. Minnesota, Cleveland, Houston, Detroit, <laughs> just New just, England, the Raiders.
1: This a sour taste of them. They've
0: mouth. won three in a row, they've won four of their last six. They played a tight game against the Chiefs. I know they gave up 70 points against Miami earlier this year, but they're technically trending in the right direction. Yeah,
3: well, BK's right. The Chiefs probably are the best team in the AFC now. They they are. (laughs) It's
0: by a process of elimination. It's not even about me saying the Chiefs are this, like, excellent team. They're worse
3: than they were last year. But nobody in the AFC is winning the Super Bowl. It'll be an NFC team this year. This conference stays. It does. All right, coming up, drafts an offensive lineman to protect your quarterback for once. We're going to look
0: ahead to this weekend of the NFL, which is full of, I'm sure, oh, great football games
3: here on
2: 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN let's run it back with a daily rewind on bk and ferrario brought to you by gloria loom your home sold guaranteed realty selling your home begins at Gloriahasthebuyers.com.
0: All right, let's go through our NFL weekend look ahead. If you missed the news from the last segment, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is going to be out for the rest of the season. You can go ahead and stick a fork in the Bengals. They're done for the year. Go Bengals! It is over for them. But there are other weekend matchups to look forward to. There's at least three starting quarterbacks that remain around the league that aren't injured, so we can talk about them here. Alex, if you could sit in front of your television on Sunday and watch one game and only one game, What's the matchup you're most looking forward to?
3: Oh God, (laughs) can I say none of them? Um, Does it's Sunday, right? We're not picking the Monday Night Football game. Yeah, we'll talk about the Monday Night game. I'm gonna say that's in its own entity. Honestly, it's probably Cardinals Texans. Is it insane that that is also (laughs) the one that I would say? Mostly because I just want to see all of the offense.
0: I think it's gonna be a really fun game too. I don't think it's gonna be like a lot of great defense by any stretch. But Kyler looked good last week, and I think this Cardinals team is. Spunky. I don't think they're good, but they're spunky. Spunky? There's and a word.
3: the Texans, I think, are legitimately a fun team. So, well, they've just become a playoff team now because of Cincinnati yeah. news. So, yeah, that's that's mine. I think that's the most entertaining game,
0: entertaining matchup that we've got available See. to us on Sunday, which basically means, hey, don't watch any of the games. Go do the leaves. Go, go rake your leaves. Hey, honey, I am willing this Sunday to take a day away from football. Why don't we go take the kids? We can go to a park. We can go to the zoo. We'll go... You know what? You've been saying you want to go to that the Zoo Lights. Let's go do that now. That's Let's in go. the
1: evening, man. Yeah, well, you can
0: yeah. do that during the evening and the day.
1: Go, <laughs> yeah. go, go enjoy the You'll look like an family. idiot if you try to do it in the Earn day. Earn yourself
0: some brownie points. This is the Sunday to do it. T-Bone, what's see, your matchup? The
1: game for me... In- I guess the Cardinals one's fine, but I just have no interest in watching the Cardinals. No, he's going to say I, Seahawks, Rams. I, I am. I, oh, I, Jesus. Stafford's back. So I think, I mean, you're going to get a decent matchup. The Rams' offense is it's fine when Stafford's yeah. playing. Carson Wentz has
3: been doing the pregame scouting for the Rams yeah. with Geno Smith. Yeah.
1: And I also have a parlay with the Seahawks winning their division. One that was actually reasonable, not taking the Jets in the AFC East. Well, if we're going so. that
3: stupid thing, then I'll take the Bears, Lions, because I got to bet on them. I think the Rams are going to win that one straight up. Well, if they are, the Seahawks are, I hope not. The Seahawks are terrible if they do lose that game.
0: Speaking of which, what's the upset pick that you're looking at this week? The Rams actually don't qualify. They are only a one-point underdog at home. we got to go three points or above. If you had to pick one team that is a three-point or greater underdog this weekend, that will pull off this straight-up upset. Alex, who are you going with? I'm going to take
3: the Titans. Don't know why. I think probably (laughs) because Trevor Lawrence has got a knee issue, they're saying. I just think he's bad. Um, but I know oh. Will Levis is bad also. But if I'm going to take one, I would go the Titans finding the upset over Jacksonville because it's on the road.
1: That's a good one. Derrick
3: Henry traditionally has torn apart the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, and now that they're throwing the ball, DeAndre Hopkins has been a weapon, and mm-hmm. Jacksonville's not been anything good defensively.
1: I, I know I just ripped on the Cardinals, but they're probably the second best one here, I would think, because I, I do kind of like that Titans one. I, I could see where they could do that. I I'm probably would say the Cardinals because Houston, though, I think they are probably a playoff team. They're a playoff team with 9 or 10 wins. And what does that mean? You're going to get some of those inconsistent games from them, like you saw when they lost to the Carolina Panthers. I could see where they kind of overlook the Cardinals, lay an egg, and lose at home to Arizona.
0: If I was going to go something different, because my pick is also Arizona, that would be the one that I would pick to win straight up. I really wanted to go with the Jets on this one because I their defense always gives the Bills trouble. They, they always seem to find a way to make life miserable for Josh Allen. But Garrett Wilson is apparently like, Potentially not going to play in this one. If you don't have Garrett Wilson, I don't know how that team scores. Uh, they, they can't throw the football if he's not going to be available to them. So I'll go with something a little different. I'll say the Packers at home against the Chargers. Potentially a cold game in Green Bay. Uh, uh, potential rain there as well. I don't think the Packers are particularly good, but at home, weird stuff happens with the Chargers. I'll I'll go ahead and say that's the other upset that you could potentially see. Alex, who's the team that has the most to gain with a win this weekend in your mind?
3: I mean, I think it's the Texans because they can now capitalize. Like if the Jaguars, for some reason, lay an egg, they can capitalize. The other one that has a lot to gain to me would be the Bills. And I don't think it's anything to do because of the Bills. I think it has everything to do with the Cincinnati Bengals news. And we're asking about teams that could legitimately be a playoff team now. It's Buffalo. And the up-and-down season that they've had, the inconsistent Josh Allen – now you've got a wide-open opportunity for you to jump back into the the, uh, the postseason race. T-Bone, we got to go quick. Who's yours?
1: I, I think it's whoever ends up winning this Steelers-Browns game. That's what you're going yeah. to be Let's in a perfect to. spot. You've got seven wins on the year with six to go. Yeah, you're in the fight still in the playoffs. I'll go
0: Steelers. Their remaining schedule after this weekend when they take on the uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson-led Cleveland Browns. The Bengals with out Joe Burrow. Arizona, New England, Indianapolis, Cincinnati again without Joe Burrow. Seattle and Baltimore. I, I think this team might end up winning like 12 games this year, which is ridiculous. I don't think they're particularly good, but that's where we're at with this year's NFL season. For Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Bradford Bruns did a great job for us back in the studio today. We've been broadcasting at the E&B Granite Studios out at the Centine Community Ice Center. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page. It's all presented by
3: Dobbs Tire and Auto. We'll talk
0: to you guys on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Two Blues games, a bunch of football as well, some basketball, a lot to do. We'll talk to you guys on Monday at 11 a.m. here on 101 ESPN.
2: You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.